What's up, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Wrestling with Johnners. This is episode 73, and we've got a bit of a bumper episode. We're trying a slightly new format, uh, things. We're shaking things up on the Wrestling with Johnners podcast, and as you may have seen on my social media earlier on in the week, we're adding AEW to the mix. So we're going to be covering AEW Dynamite every single week. And uh, with the, 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 the scheduling changes recently, with AEW coming to the mix on a Wednesday, NXT not always being readily available uh, until we watch it on the WWE Network until Thursdays now. Uh, we're going to keep NXT UK in there, but it means that the podcast is now shifting from... We, we sometimes did it on a on Thursday, but mostly Friday, and now it's going to be every single Saturday. So the Wrestling With Jonas podcast will be dropping every single Saturday, and it will now be included AEW Dynamite. So it's going to be a bumper episode. It'll be uh, interesting to see how this one goes. Um, myself and my guest host were talking off air about uh, how much wrestling we've had to watch this week just to be prepared for the podcast. And we'll talk to our very special guest host very, very soon. But first, as I like to do every single episode, just to throw out our social media plugs so you know where to find us if you want to interact with the Wrestling With Jonas podcast. If you want to interact and get in touch with myself, um, you can do on Twitter, first of all. Go on to Twitter and uh, find us. Our Twitter handle is at withjonas underscore pod. That's at withjonas underscore pod. On Instagram, you can find us. Just search uh, Wrestling With Jonas. That's Instagram.com forward slash Wrestling With Jonas. And of course, go out and search our ever-popular, fun and interactive and friendly Facebook community page wrestling with johnners just go on to facebook and search wrestling with johnners and that's johnners spelt j-o-h-n-e-r-s in case you weren't sure and of course if you enjoy listening to this podcast please don't forget to hit subscribe so that you can be notified every time a new episode drops this in my opinion is your only podcast that you need for all of your weekly nxt nxt uk and aew all-round wrestling needs basically we do cover wwf uh, wwe pay-per-views and aew pay-per-views with the next aew pay-per-view coming out on the 9th of november which is going to be aew full gear and then of course we've got uh, wwe survivor series coming up later on november as well and i may cover the uh, crown jewel event which is happening from saudi arabia on the wwe network at the end of this month of course but uh, so many podcasts, so many things to cover, so much great wrestling. It really is a great time to be a wrestling fan. So please spread the word. Uh, give us a follow on all of our social media pages to start off with. That would be great on all the uh, all the links I gave you earlier on for Twitter, Instagram and Facebook. And subscribe to the podcast and to the YouTube channel. And uh, help us get more people listening to the Wrestling with Jonathan podcast. Um, you, you know you want to, so just go and subscribe and uh, yeah, start following the Wrestling with Jonathan podcast. So I want to introduce you to our special guest today. He's been on the podcast before and he's helped us cover NXT and NXT UK. Uh, but our special guest has been asked to cover five hours of wrestling ahead of coming on the podcast today. And that's Ashley Clement. So Ashley, welcome back to the Wrestling with Jonas podcast. Great to have you back on, buddy. Thank you for inviting me back there, John. Yeah, <laughs> no said, problem. Yeah. As you said, watching five, five hours of content this week, it's a bit hard going, but mad to get through it all. Yeah, well, it's a good job that I don't uh, review Raw and SmackDown on top of this, really. Uh, <laughs> An extra five, uh, yeah, ten hours. That's a it, crikey! But um, yeah, so yeah, we throw made we, throw made event in, at, at two or five live. That's another two hours. Well, this is it. It'll be the longest podcast in the world, and this episode. <laughs> yeah. 
Well, it's still be the longest podcast in the world, but uh, I really appreciate you joining us. Now, you joined us uh, a little while ago, and we actually uh, had the opportunity to meet one another in Cardiff because uh, we met up uh, before Takeover Cardiff, and that was a hell of a show, a hell of a weekend. Um, and uh, we haven't spoken since then, but uh, more recently, you've uh, caught a few progress shows. And last weekend, you went to Chapter 96 in uh, in Manchester, and it was um, uh, real friends stab you in the front or some subheading to that effect um but uh, what, what was uh, your progress experience from manchester like from last sunday then ashley uh overall it was a very good show it's the second time i've been to the ritz to see progress um slight venue change they've moved like where they normally have the merch area to a different location they've added two new bars which is kind of um easier to um, gain access to um uh-huh. some highlights from the show um I'll give you two highlights matches, which were both the opening contest between the Young Guns and Pretty Deadly. It's the first time I've seen Young Guns in per- in person. I've heard quite a fair bit of them. Yeah, that's um, Ethan Allen and uh, Luke Jacobs, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Yeah, and yeah. um, it was a qu- uh, for two well two teams making their official chapter debuts. It was quite exciting to see, and literally was a great way to start uh, start the card off. Mm. And the other match, which is having next week, getting the second installment of it, which was either Dragunov versus Carnoir. Yeah, two kind of quite intense. Well, you got you got the intensity of Dragunov, and then you got the kind of the the flamboyance of the mm. uh, Carnoir. But um, I haven't seen a lot of Carnoir now. I did catch him when I saw Still Chasing and. Um, uh, the National Progression the, Series Yes, NPS uh, from the Saturday And he really, really impressed me And he's probably got one of the best entrances mm. Of any wrestler in the UK at the moment And uh, he's got a, a pretty good He's pretty good in the ring as well actually So that must have been a hell of a match uh, Tell us a bit about that one It was a very good match It was a very good match Both guys when, when first got announced Thought, oh, this is going to be in- interesting Different, well, similar class, Different class of styles but yeah. also you've got two different similar kind of entrances where you've got long prolonged entrances, which kind of yeah. benefits their characters. And it's going to be interesting to see if they can top their match they had last week for, for next week's show as well. Yeah, and, and you had uh, Paul Robinson defending his Proteus Championship for the first time, I understand, against Travis yeah. Banks. Um, now, Paul Robinson's uh, kind of gimmick or stipulation that he's added to the Proteus Championship is that you have to, you can only beat him by knocking him out, essentially. Is that right? It's, you can only win by a knockout or submission. Yeah. But Robinson can retain the, t- um, the title as well if his opponent decides to. For, um, for some reason, to hold the title, uh, try use the title as a weapon. Right. If okay. they do so, that's an instant disqualification, and Robo will retain. Okay. So theoretically, it, theoretically, the match is basically no disqualifications, no count out. The only way you can win is by knockout or submission. Yeah, I got gotcha. you. I got gotcha. you. And he actually defeated Travis Banks last Sunday. Yeah. Um, and then there was the main event. You got uh, uh, new Progress Tag Team Champions uh, Scotty Davis, who won the NPS uh, on on the Saturday before still chasing his partner Jordan Devlin, both from Ireland, of course, taking on the Grizzled Young Veterans in a bit of a rematch from Still Chasing. Um, uh, where um, Devlin and uh, Scotty Davis won the title. Uh, so, so tell us about this rematch. And, and uh, Davis and Devlin managed to retain the championships over James Drake and Zach Gibson. What did you think of that main event? 
Uh, it was quite a good main event. Uh, quite a good main event. Uh, it was from where I was sitting because I was sitting front row. When the end of the match happened, it was the finish of it looked quite a bit messy. But I haven't watched it back to see it. How it they uh, Devin hits from a oh, I'm sorry, I've stuck my head. What, what the hell? Uh, from Gibson and Drake set up of a doomsday device where Drake's come off the top rope. Yeah. And when he hits it, Devin reverses it into a Spanish fly. I'm not too sure if it was hit perfectly. I've not seen it back to really judge it really. He sounds like quite a quite an inventive uh, mm. reversal and uh, quite a, a decent way to regain the championships. And uh, yeah, I mean, I'm waiting for it to drop on demand. I don't think it has just yet. It but dropped I'm last to... night. Ah, it right, so okay. It's up available. So that's another couple of hours that I need to uh, find in my busy week of uh, wrestling yeah. to to squeeze that in. But I definitely will. Uh, I do love a bit of progress. But so thank you for your recap of uh, last Sunday's show. And do, they've got another show next weekend, which you're going to. Is that right? Yes, they have got another uh, monthly show they normally have in Camden. Right. Uh, it's got another weird note. I can't remember the top of my head. It's something to do with sex robots. I can't remember. I think it's <laughs> sex robot. I think it was called. I think it's entitled "Sex Robots Will End Up Killing You." I think it is. It's yeah. Another weird one. You can tell that that's uh, all, all these kind of like title subheadings are kind of clearly from the very imaginative mind of Jim Smallman, no doubt. But uh, we, we, we may not have Jim to kind of counter these imaginative titles uh, from from the new year, from 2020 anyway. But uh, uh, thank you for your recap of last Sunday's uh, chapter 96 from Manchester. Let's talk a little bit about NXT UK. So. Uh, this used to air every Wednesday night on the WWE Network. Over the last couple of weeks, it's uh, been airing on Thursday night, um, so that essentially it, it wasn't uh, uh, throwing out too much content on the WWE Network on a on a on a, on a Wednesday, of course, mm-hmm. uh, because you've obviously got um, NXT running live on the USA Network um, on Wednesday, so they obviously don't want uh, to have too much content for their fans to choose and obviously you've got AEW on a Wednesday so they've chosen to move it to a Thursday if any of that uh, made any sense uh, but uh, that, that's fine by me and it's still an entertaining show and I, I think one of the things I really enjoy about NXT UK over the other two that we're going to talk about is it's still an hour long and I think that really really helps because it's, yeah. it's quite manageable you know you, you can put an hour aside towards the end of the week or on a Thursday um, to watch NXT UK and uh, yeah, like I say, it's an enjoyable hour of wrestling. And uh, this week was was a really good show. Um, the first show, the first match was Ilya Dragunov. Uh, so we spoke a little bit about Dragunov earlier on from chapter last chapter ninety six. But he was facing Saxton Huxley. So this was quite a competitive match with uh, Alexander Wolf of Imperium watching at ringside. But Dragunov did put an end to this match with his torpedo Moscow. He's his kind of favoured finishing move and managed to pick up another win. However, with Wolf waiting in the wings at ringside or kind of at the end of the ramp where you could say we get Fabian Eichner and Marcel Bartel, fellow members of Imperium, come out supposedly uh, for their up-and-coming match, which is uh, going to be the match number two on this week's show. Uh, but with an air of intimidation towards Dragunov, uh, appears to be either... You know, He's, he's either being scouted by Imperium um, or, or possibly um, looking to set up some sort of rivalry with uh, with with Dragunov. But um, what did you think of the match, and what did you think of kind of the presence of of Alexander Wolf being at ringside, and then kind of Fabian Eichner and Marcel Bartel coming out after his win? Bit of an interesting kind of angle after after the match itself. But tell me your thoughts, anyway. Uh, I thought the match was quite a decent match. Um, it's not one of the 
best I think since he had the match with Cesaro, I think it's gonna be hard for him to try to top that match currently that's D K. But I thought it was a decent match overall. The whole thing with Wolf coming out, I think obviously they set up this thing two weeks ago, I think it was, or even last week, where he said he wanted to be he just like was looking out for him and was gonna take his place in the match. And he was like it's hard to say if it's like when you heard the music come at Imperium's music hit, you thought, oh, what's going on here? Is, it, is, it, is this Walser coming out to confront Dragunov? Not as a doctor, give that seal of approval of the site. Yes, you can come with us. But it's a, it's a good bit of like, storytelling, obviously, like, to see how long it, this will play out for. Yeah, I think this is going to kind of play out over the next few weeks. And it, I, I kind of got it in the back of my mind that I think that uh, Dragunov will end up feuding with Imperium, to be honest with you. I think that uh, Dragunov's immediate future is possibly as a baby's face. Um, and I think that there's a possibility he might join Imperium. It'd be funny if he did for, for a little while and then uh, maybe kind of... Uh, I don't know, tried to feud from within and, and break out of the ranks, much in the same way that Daniel Bryan did when he was part of the Wyatt family. And then he kind of broke out from that faction and uh, became a top fa- baby face. But I'd uh, be interested to see how this one develops. And uh, uh, yeah, it's, it's kind of got me interested in Ilya Dragunov a little bit more, whereas he hasn't really been involved in many interesting storylines. And this has been a good bit of character development for him as well. So I'm interested to see where this one leads and uh, looking forward to next week's episode. Uh, the next match was Marcel. Bartel and Fabian Eichner Imperium versus The Hunt, uh, Primate and uh, a Wild Boar, of course. And uh, this was another competitive match, much like the first one, with The Hunt pulling off a, a scrappy and a, a spirited effort against uh, these two members of Imperium. However, the well, well-oiled team uh, and uh, teamwork from Fabian Eichner and Marcel Bartel was, was almost too much to contend with as Eichner and Bartel finished the match with their power bomb flying European uppercut combo for the win on uh, Primate getting the uh, getting the pinfall loss there, unfortunately. And uh, yeah, that was an impressive show. And I think whenever you've got Imperium in the ring, when you've got these two in the ring, you always get some really good tag team action, some really good teamwork, really good combos and kind of like double team action. And uh, although it's quite a, quite a competitive match with the Hunt putting up a good fight for most of the match, uh, the dominance of Imperium certainly showed towards the end there. Um, but what were, you, what were your thoughts on this one here, Imperium versus the Hunt and Ashley. Uh, also, again, I concur. It's a very, it was a very good match. Um, it's weird enough that the last time I was on, we had the exact same match as well. Um, uh-huh. Interesting, yeah. Uh, so it's obviously to try to see how it, how the matches differ as well. I felt this was more an improvement than the last match. It yeah. seems like it was an even, it, um, evenly fought between the two. And overall, I think it's. A, was a good way. Uh, the hunt looked strong in the match, and obviously, in towards the end, they had their finish. It, well, not kicked out of, but it interrupted. And it still looked and kept them strong. Was where they can, they came so close to getting the upset victory, but Imperium showed their supremacy and got got the win in the end. Mm, definitely, but I do enjoy watching uh, Bartel and Eichner, and they've been quite a, um, a regular. They have a regular presence on NXT as well. We'll be talking a bit more about them on NXT uh, when we talk about that very, very shortly. But that was another fun match. Uh, the next match was Nina Samuels versus Zaya Brookside. So uh, uh, it seems a little while since we last saw Brookside on NXT UK. Maybe it's not as long as I, I thought, but uh, it seems like a little while since we've last seen her. But yeah. here, um, I mean, how long do you think it's been since we've seen Zaya Brookside on NXT? 
Oh, she had that rival with Ginny and uh, Jazzy, uh, Gabbert. Jazzy Gabbert, of course. But that seems that seems a little while ago now. So uh, maybe it's been a few weeks at the very least. Um, but uh, I mean, in this match, she was up against Nina Samuels. And we saw a pretty good match between these two with Samuels uh, dominating with her power and her aggression with uh, Zybrook's Italian, the kind of plucky baby face story. Uh, this was a really fun match and probably my favourite match up to this point out of uh, the matches we've seen on NXT UK with Zy getting the pinfall after reversing a pinning a pin attempt from Nina Samuels into a pinning combination of her own for the one, two, three. And as much as I was impressed with Zy Brookside's performance here, I couldn't um, you know, be any more impressed with uh, Nina Samuels. I think that she's getting better every time she comes into the ring. I think she's really de developed her character. Um, I think she's getting better in the ring. And um, I think that although she lost in this match, she uh, she, she performs really, really well. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of becoming quite a big fan of Nina Samuels. But uh, I know Nina Samuels has been on uh, quite a few progress shows, or certainly one or two over the last few months. But what were your thoughts on this one then, Ash? Uh, okay, it was a nice, good match. It's just like, also, the storytelling they've both told, and obviously from culture as well, from Nigel McGuinness, um, playing out Brooks' eyes strategy yeah. throughout the match is quite technical and old school British work that she'd been implying, really. Yeah. It's like how she was quickly transitioning from quick roll ups and also into quick um, submission work as well. Yeah, because they said that she'd been doing a bit of homework and kind of swatting up on some old uh, British wrestling on VHS tapes. And uh, mm. so she's obviously kind of trying to be, uh, you know, adaptable. In the rest yeah, yeah. Uh, but it was a good batch. And what's your thoughts on Nina Samuels then, actually? Yeah, I, I, she's been really impressive recently on NXT UK. She's definitely got her character nailed down. And there was, she, had two matches at not the the last Camden show that they had. Um, the best match she had was the main event between her and then champion at the time, Jordan Grace, which was at the time the best female match I've seen at Progress of the Year until ah. the following month. Yeah. So it was literally, she has definitely got her character down to a fine art and knows how to portray that character. Yeah, yeah, I think she's uh, probably one of the more improved wrestlers on the NXT UK roster, I have to say, certainly this year anyway. Um, but uh, yeah, uh, then we get a video package uh, promoting NXT uh, UK newcomer A-Kid who'll be joining NXT UK soon. Um, and uh, I, I'm probably more familiar with him as part of the kind of fairly famous and up-and-coming tag team team White Wolf alongside Carlos Romo. But here, he's coming into NXT UK as a singles wrestler. Now, we have seen him in kind of a bit of a, an enhancement match, you could say, a bit of a squash match a few months ago, uh, just after originally signing with NXT UK uh, on an earlier episode. But uh, they're doing a bit of a video package, getting a bit of hype going for um, A-Kid. It looks like he's going to be making his NXT UK a debut soon uh, or official debut soon I'm guessing you've seen him in the ring a few times um, at various indie shows what's your experience of A-Kid then Ashley? Uh, I've seen him a couple of times the first time I saw him was in singles action I think it was Frontline last year in November yeah, and yeah. then again when he was teamed with Carlos Romo against Jimmy Havoc and Mark Askins in Progress in Birmingham I think yes. it's the same show he was at yeah uh, that's that, it. That, that was a good match. That was a really yeah. good match. That was. Um, but uh, if, I mean, he, he, look, he looks uh, quite athletic. He's a bit of a high flyer. Um, he's, he's quite a small wrestler, though. I, I know that when he was kind of, you know, 
standing side by side with, say, Jimmy Havoc, who's not the tallest of wrestlers, you can definitely see a height difference there. So it'll be interesting to see how they use him. Um, and um, yeah, like I say, he's definitely a, a popular wrestler around the UK and European indie scenes. I know he's from Madrid in Spain, um, yeah. but uh, uh, yeah, be interesting to see what happens then. I'm sure he'll be getting his debut on NXT UK TV fairly soon. Uh, then we get um, a promo from Jordan Devlin. Uh, which soon turns into a bit of a face-off between him and big Dave Mastiff, with Devlin uh, trying his luck with a bit of physicality, only to have Mastiff destroy Devlin in the ring, clearly setting up a, a future match or a feud between these two. Uh, but one thing that stood out between these two was when they was on the microphone uh, and how much better Jordan Devlin is on the mic as compared to Dave Mastiff. But I thought this was a bit of a fun exchange and a bit of a, a kind of a fresh uh, fresh matchup and a, a you know fresh pairing having these two. You know, we, we seem to have Big Dave Mastiff up against uh, other big guys like Joe Coffey and Eddie Dennis and kind of the bigger, brawlier type wrestlers, you could say. So this time he's up against more of a, a technical uh, wrestler, more of a kind of a, an athletic wrestler in Jordan Devlin. And uh, I think, yeah, Jordan Devlin had him, had him kind of nailed down as far as the microphone work was concerned. Uh, but when it came to the physicality, Dave Mastiff wasn't uh, taking any prisoners. But this was a bit of a fun segment. What were your thoughts from this bit? I really enjoyed it as well. It's it, it shows how far Jordan Devlin has come since he's recently debuted with the company. Of how he's got he's he's a good he's a good person who can portray between face and heel with different companies he's been with over the years. But he's definitely got it down to a T how he is as a heel. There's one thing otherwise though. It's like I just don't know how they've just dropped the whole Devlin Tyler Bates feud after being the Cardiff tapings. It's like literally that's just like been swept under the carpet. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I kind of stopped watching NXT a little bit uh, a week or two after Cardiff just because there was just so much content and maybe I just needed a bit of a break. Did Jordan Devlin and Tyler Bate actually have a match? I know that they had a bit of a, a, a microphone uh, promo exchange, but did they have a match in the end? Uh, I don't recall they'd had a match. They just had to been back and forth over on the microphone. That was it. Yeah. There's, no, no, there's no like combination to like, this big build-up of the feud supposed to be happening. And like you say, Jordan Devlin seems to have moved on to Dave Mastiff now. So yeah. maybe some, something's occurred there where they've had to put that uh, feud between Devlin and Bate on hold for the meantime. But yeah, I mean, I, I was looking forward to that match as well. And look, so I dropped off of NXT UK for a couple of weeks and uh, wasn't sure whether it happened or not. Um, but I'm sure because they've done a little bit of a build up and a bit of a backstory that will get them to in a ring uh, again soon. And, and to be honest with you, that's quite a mouthwatering tie that you might want to kind of hold off for another takeover, for example, whenever uh, the next NXT UK takeover might happen. Um, but uh, I've got a feeling they might do another one in January. Uh, so I think they might yeah, do I one think, in January and every August. I think Triple X came out, I think, after the Cardiff takeover, I think, on a press press conference and said there's definitely going to be more takeovers next year and I think he's trying to get more as in number wise out as well I think he'll try to sporadically do it between NXT and NXT UK so every yeah. other month he'll have they'll try to do a takeover yeah yeah I think that would work that would work but uh yes so uh, maybe they're saving it for a takeover but um I'm glad that he haven't had it already because otherwise I would have missed it um so well, that's something to look forward to uh, and then we got our main event of NXT UK. So this was a really fun match. 
Uh, it went about 15 minutes. Uh, the, the South Wales subculture, the current NXT UK Tag Team Champions, Mark Andrews and Flash Morgan Webster, of course, against uh, Gallus. Um, and uh, Gallus uh, comprised of Mark Coffey and Wolfgang. There is obviously a third member, Joe Coffey, who was not involved in this match or not uh, not straight away anyway. And this is for the uh, for the Tag Team Championship. So you may remember that um, fairy tale moment uh, that happened in Cardiff at TakeOver. On Saturday, the 31st of August, uh, I was there, Ashley was there uh, when uh, the South Wales subculture, Andrews and Morgan Webster, beat Gallus and beat the then champions, uh, GYV, the Grizzled Young Veterans, uh, to win the NXT Tag Team Championships in that uh, kind of historic moment in front of the, the Cardiff fans. And that was a night to be remembered, whether you're Welsh or whether you're English, it doesn't matter. It was just a fantastic moment uh, for wrestling fans in general and a great moment for those two. Um, and they've defended their titles a little bit. I know that they had a rematch against uh, GYV uh, from the Cardiff tapings um, that would have been shown throughout September. Um, but here going up against... Uh, Gallus, of course. So uh, Mark Coffey and Wolfgang dominated much of this match uh, due to their size and their power. Um, I have to say that when Flash Morgan uh, was in, he was like a ball of energy when he got the hot tag. Uh, fellow Gallus member Joe Coffey, I mentioned him briefly earlier on, he did come out to ringside to support his fellow Gallus members. Uh, Andrews gets a close near fall from their uh, free toast at 3am assisted 450 splash. That's always good fun. Uh, quite a good name as well. Andrew saves uh, the three count for his partner after a moonsault from Wolfgang. Uh, all four members of the match then uh, get involved. All things start to break down in the centre of the ring towards the end of the match. Uh, Andrews is able to hit a stunned millionaire before Andrews and Morgan Webster strike with their assisted poison runner. Uh, Webster then gets a very close near fall from a top rope sent on. Uh, Wolfgang then launches Andrews into the ring post on the outside uh, with Webster missing his 450 off the top rope allowing Coffee and Wolfgang Gang to combine with their Enziguri power slam combo uh, for the win and we have new NXT UK tag team champions Ashley so I thought it was a, a really good match to cap off an excellent episode of NXT UK um, but I'm a little bit disappointed that Andrews and Flash Morgan have dropped the titles so soon into their reign I mean um, GYV they had the titles for uh, eight or nine months Flash Morgan Webster they've had it for a month and a half um, if that and uh, a little bit disappointed, I mean, maybe there's going to be a storyline where they get a rematch and possibly retain the title somewhere down the line. I don't think this is the end of them as uh, NXT Tag Team Champions, but I would have expected them to have held the titles for a little bit longer. Nonetheless, it was a really good match. Um, I'm pleased that Cal Gallus has uh, kind of got their opportunity and they're finally holding some some silverware or some championships in NXT. But uh, what were your thoughts on this one and what were your thoughts on the outcome? Overall, I enjoyed this match very well. This is my favourite match of the episode. Um, there was quite some unique offence between the two. The 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 um, inventive of the Stamlock me there because um, that was just something unique I've never seen before. Because uh, was it Wolfgang was going for a bit? I think a bit. So I think what was he doing now? Uh, a slingshot into Jack, uh, no Mark Coffee to hit a bit move. He just instantly. How Mark Andrews turned himself to do that move, I do not know. To hit mm -hmm. the standoff was just quick timing to do that. I was very impressed with that. Yeah. And one thing I want to point out is I, which I'll bring out later on, I was pleased that Joe Coffey didn't get in, involved in the match somehow, how he kept himself away from ringside and yeah. didn't get in, involved to like, try like get a cheat to win victory for his team 
Well, I, I kind of knew what knew the result having read spoilers, and I was half expecting with Joe Coffey being there for him to get involved and to be a factor in the outcome. And, and like you said, I, I'm pleased that it didn't have a screwy finish like that, but uh, that it did end in kind of like a clean finish. Uh, but yeah, carry on. Yeah, no, I, how I could see is not too sure if he was just like if Flash Morgan Webster in, at Manju's were just, I want, don't want to say they were transitional champions. I think that it might have been a way of getting the belts off Crystal Young Veterans onto Gaddis for a meet, for an easier way for neither of them to take, well, for GYV not to take the pinfall loss to Gaddis. I'm not too sure, but yeah. I can see them getting a rematch because I've not seen spoilers for upcoming um, tapings, but I can see them definitely having a rematch further down the line. But I'm trying to think who else will challenge them afterwards. Yeah, I mean, the, the tag team ranks in NXT UK are a little bit thin on the ground. I mean, you've obviously got GYV, Gallus, uh, Flash Morgan and Andrews. Um, Imperium. The, the Imperium. So, yeah, I mean, it, there is five or six teams yeah. there that, that could potentially, you know, be uh, in contention. At the moment, it seems to be rotating, you know, between the, the same two or three teams. But uh, that, that's fine. It's all part of the storyline. Um, I, I would like to see Imperium uh, possibly have a shot soon. I don't think they've had a, a proper go at the uh, NXT Tag Team titles. Yeah. Um, but um, I mean, what's your thoughts on the NXT UK Tag Team scene, and uh, who do you think uh, might be the next, uh, you know, the next champions? Um, I can see potentially Imperium picking up the straps. I can see definitely Fabian Eichler and Marcel Bartel picking up the straps. Uh, so in a similar way to Undisputed yeah. Era with the Imperium having all the gold, maybe. Similarly, you can't do that thing, but they've slowly gone under, like kind of under the radar. There's been an undefeated team, team for I think this year throughout. I think so far, they're yeah. slowly building momentum. Obviously, they've not challenged for the titles yet as far. Yeah, yeah. And uh, so it'll be interesting to see what happens. Um, I know one team that you saw at Progress last week, Pretty Deadly. Now, they've been on NXT UK a few times and they got a good look. Um, they're quite young and athletic. And it'd be nice to see them get a bit of a push. I'm not saying they're championship material yet, but I'd like to see them become a bit more of a permanent member of or more regular fixture within the NXT UK tag ranks. But uh, I mean, having seen them for the first time last week in the flesh, do you think that they, they, you know, could have a future on NXT UK? Uh, pretty desert. Yeah, I can see them. They're very good hands at the moment. They're kind of like, kind of sit like, not, I wouldn't say what they're in hearts for tennis, they're very good, decent wrestlers. Because I've seen them quite a fair few times over the past couple of years. Um, but at the moment, I just can't, I don't know how they're playing it. Well, they know how to play their characters. I just don't see who they're going to get their first win against at the moment. I could, yeah. If they're going to do it, they could get, if it's done right, they could get a surprise victory over someone. So I could, I would like to see them get a surprise victory over, like, say, a former tag team champions. We say GYV, like, they could be like, oh, cocky in this, like, who are these opponents you've handpicked for us? They get a cheeky, like, a one, two, three kid kind of thing, get a like, yeah. like, upset victory out of nowhere. Yeah, and that's how you make your new stars. That's exactly how you make your new stars. And funny that you mentioned the one, two, three kid because that was, of course, his launching pad when he had that surprise win over Razor Ramon in 1993, I think it was. Yeah, uh, it was but uh, yeah. So, um, so, so let's skip on to. I mean, I think we'll both agree it was a really good episode of NXT UK. Uh, yes, it was a good hour. hour. Yeah, Sorry it flew by. Here. 
nothing dragged um, and lots of good actions, some good matches. And uh, the, none of the matches were quick either. You know, they, they all had a decent amount of time yeah. in the ring to tell a story. Um, and they certainly did that. Uh, but uh, I thought it was a cracking episode. And, and really, the reason why I, I kind of uh, want to continue talking about NXT UK on the podcast every week is because I think not not enough people are watching it not enough people are especially uh, any of my american listeners i don't think they've really got behind or fully understand or appreciate nxt uk so i'm telling you whatever part of the world you're listening to this podcast please go out and check nxt uk please go out and check this week's episode because it is absolutely fantastic some really good matches um some really good up-and-coming talent some really good stories being told in the ring and uh yeah so like i said you get you get a title change at the end of this week's episode and a really really good show so uh speaking of good shows let's uh talk in detail about this week's NXT. So, of course, you've got the, the Wednesday Night Wars now, NXT. Um, you know, it's a ratings war. It's, it's a, a, a battle of wrestling shows and who can get... Um, uh, you know the most amount of interest uh, between NXT and AEW, and uh, this week's show was was pretty good. Um, so uh, this week's show begins with uh, something we thought we might not see, um, at least not for a long, long time anyway. And as uh, Mauro Ronaldo said on commentary, Tommaso Ciampa uh, had returned. He was expected to be out for at least one year, but he makes his return after only seven months. And the former NXT champion, who never lost the championship, by the way, is back. And he's back in action on this week's NXT. So he goes up against uh, a, a really uh, bright uh, prospect, um, uh, Angel Garza, who has already kind of made a, a name for himself with the full sale audience. Um, I think that uh, the ladies there especially like it when he rips off his tights to reveal his his, uh, his trunks underneath. But um, there's loud chance of uh, Tommaso's going to kill you before this match uh, aimed at Angel Garza, of course. Uh, this this match was frantic from the off with Garza eventually able to turn around Tommaso's off- offence with a dive uh, through the ropes and a missile drop kick to the face of Champa before ripping off his tights. Uh, you see, probably uh, most revered move out of all of his moves set is ripping off his tights to reveal his trunks underneath. Uh, Champa comes back with a running knee to the face of Garza in the corner. Then, after laying the smackdown on Garza, Garza's discarded tights and throws them into the audience. He's able to put Garza away with his Willow's Bell. Uh, yeah, it's called the Willow's Bell draping DDT. I think it's named after his young daughter, of course, to get the pinfall victory. Uh, with Champa sending out a clear message to the fans that he wants his championship belt back. He wants his Goldie back. Uh, so uh, after the match, we get current NXT champion Adam Cole and the rest of the Undisputed Era who surround the ring. Uh, Kyle O'Reilly then approaches the commentary booth where he is seen kind of throwing a, a USB drive, a USB stick towards the desk, uh, leaving us to wonder what secrets might be on the drive. So actually a, a really hot way to start this week's NXT. Uh, great to see Tommaso Ciampa back in the ring after only being out for seven months. Um, but uh, tell, tell us your thoughts on, 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 the, uh, on the match and, um, and on your thoughts on kind of what happened afterwards as well. Uh, I thought it was decent match between the two is literally I think it was like a list I think it was just a start testing the water things with Champa at the moment obviously he's busy he's just been cleared up was it a couple of weeks ago literally to see how far he can how much he can do at the moment obviously not trying to like burn him well to aggravate well to aggravate not to re-aggravate the injury as much yeah, so you're not going to start putting like, him in not going to start putting him in 30-minute uh, Ironman matches or anything like no. that are they? I think so, this is like a good tester of him to see how much he can like how much he can adapt to like see if he can try to change his ring style because obviously he's got a new finisher now which obviously it's not going to be well it might do slight 
damage to the net, not so not as much impact, I think. Yeah. But overall, I think it was a solid match between the two. It's like both men got decent offense in in the match. And the whole UE thing at the end, you'd thought, oh, it's going to be a confrontation between going to be four-one beatdown Champa. Yeah, that's but what I thought. But obviously, it's just that it ends up with Kyle Riley hang, throwing a USB stick to the commentary team, and they hand it off to get it been viewed at. Yeah. So, I mean, good way to open the show. But after the break, we get uh, a look at what was contained on the USB drive with footage of all four members of Unespirited Air surrounding uh, a, a, a supposedly unconscious Velveteen Dream on a pile of boxes in what, what looks like a vicious beatdown of Velveteen Dream with uh, Adam Cole telling Tommaso Ciampa that if he continues to get in his way, then this is what will happen to him. So uh, a bit of a bit of a threat there from Adam Cole. And uh, no doubt we'll, we'll see a championship match between those two fairly soon. That'll be a match I'm definitely looking forward to. So this this was a, a you know a fine return for Tommaso uh, with a victory uh, for the former NXT champion. And uh, it kind of staggers me how kind of quick he recovered after next surgery after only seven months. Uh, but uh, I was I was able to watch the Tommaso Ciampa documentary on the WWE Network earlier in the week, and it was quite a, a heartwarming and quite an emotional story, showing us the very real human side of Tommaso Ciampa, which is something we probably didn't get to see before his injury. Um, you know, we got to see his his, his life um, before, during, and after his surgery. So there was a, a lot of footage of uh, kind of. Uh, pre-op and post-op and even during the operation as well which I had to look away I'm a bit squeamish with uh, footage of operations uh, but also it kind of showed that the love and the support that uh, he had from his wife and his little child there Willow Um, and after watching it it's no wonder that uh, Tommaso returned as a babyface as compared to the, the dastardly heel that he was prior to his surgery. So uh, all good things there as far as Tommaso Ciampa is concerned. And definitely go and check out the Tommaso Ciampa documentary on the WWE Network if you haven't already. But on to match number two, and it was only Lorkin and uh, Danny Birch. I think they call themselves the Britam Connection or something like that versus Imperium. So we just... We've just commentated on a Fabian Eichner and Marcel Bartel match, and this is uh, their second match um, that's going to be highlighted on this podcast, uh, this time on NXT. So going into this match, you know what you're going to get. You're going to get a hard-hitting match, um, and a hard-hitting match is definitely what we got. So Birch goes on the offence with uh, a stiff headbutt, uh, a step up in Zaguri, and a missile dropkick to Bartel. However, Imperium strike back with a double basement dropkick to the face of Danny Birch. That seems to be one of their signature moves nowadays. Only Lorcan gets the hot tag and flies over the top rope, not once but twice, to take out his opponents. Uh, this match gets fast and furious pretty quick, with Fabian Eichner nailing uh, a brain buster on Loney walking uh, followed by a double springboard moonsault that got the fans on their feet for a very close to the fall so i love it when uh, i know he's, he's i mean he's quite a muscular guy he's got power but he's got a lot of agility and a lot of athleticism and when he bounces from one rope to another and that double springboard moonsault is, is really really impressive uh fabian eichner uh, and Marcel Bartel are like a well-oiled team, as I mentioned earlier, uh, as they combine well with a, a spine buster and a penalty kick combo, followed by a power bomb and a flying forearm uppercut combo with Bartel hooking the leg and getting the pinfall victory over only Lorkin. So, yeah, uh, that, that was a fast and furious match with uh, Birch and Lorkin putting up a good fight, uh, as they always do. However, 
the team work at Bartel and Eichner were just too much at the end of the day. Uh, that was a pretty dominant win and a great performance from the Imperium duo with the, the closing image of Eichner, Bartel and Alexander Wolf standing tall in the ring as they do. So, uh, yep, yeah, uh, a good match, quite a hard-hitting match. You know what you're going to get when you've got Danny Birch and Odie Lorcan in there. Put them in the ring with uh, Fabian Eichner and Marcel Bartel. It's always a good recipe for a fantastic match and it was a really good match here. So what were your thoughts on this one, Ash? Uh, as you said, it's another brilliant match between these two teams. It's enough um, to show there's been diversity between Imperial on both brands. It's actually, the teamwork between both the teams is quite impressive. They're in spot with Fabian Arkner, obviously, who was on the third, well, in the 205 Classic, Cruiserweight Classic back in so like, yes, 2015, he was, yeah. was he? 16? Uh, 2016, yeah. Yeah, 2016. You see how he cut the weight to be a cruiserweight, and now he's put on mass to be, he's still quite agile for a big man. And yeah. when he'd done that double spring moonsault, I was literally, as you said, gobsmacked. <laughs> it's like, it's literally bloody hell. Yeah, it was good. It was good. Uh, you don't see that from many of the cruiserweights, let alone somebody who's as kind of muscular as, as Fabian Eichner. But he, but he's, you know, I think uh, he's 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 got it all. He's he's pretty much the total package. To be honest with you, I think that the team as a whole are pretty much the total package. But uh, yeah, carry on. I rudely interrupted you there. Carry yeah. on. There's no problem there. There's, there's another. There's another person we will speak. A uh, couple other people who are quite similar stature, but quite a bigger bigger size. But we should talk about is very athletic as well. Yeah. Uh, but it's quite. Quite dominant, um, not dominant performance, but evenly fought match, and end uh, at the end of it, Imperium pick up the win, and it's an easy, evenly fought contest and a hard fought win. Yeah, yeah, good point. But uh, yeah, like I say, I think that uh, Eichner and uh, Bartel. Um, <laughs> Yeah, it'd be, be interesting to see what happens. We, we spoke of them being possibly uh, NXT UK Tag Team Champions. They could be in contention for, for the NXT Tag Team titles as well. Who knows? But it looks like a very, very bright future for that tag team anyway. Uh, we then get an interview with, or a video package with uh, Johnny Gargano who talks about his history with Tommaso Ciampa. Uh, Johnny says that uh, they've had their ups and their downs. Johnny said that he won't know how he feels about Tommaso Ciampa until he sees him face to face. So uh, quite interesting there. I mean, they, they had a, a, a long rivalry, a long feud, which uh, lasted, I mean, it seemed to me like it lasted probably a couple of years on NXT uh, TV. Now, I think Johnny said in the video package that it was a, 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 three, a three or four year long feud. So obviously he's counting the time when they were you know, in the Cruiserweight Classic and, you know, DIY and then the breakdown of the team. So they've obviously been on the same page and been in the same story, you could say, for, for three or four years. And uh, But their, 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 their feud, their red-hot feud, everybody was talking about, definitely lasted a couple of years. But it's interesting now that Tommaso's returned as a babyface. Johnny Gargano's always been a babyface. I think the way the video package was going, it was kind of like hyping up a, another match between these two or or a match between these two. Obviously, they didn't get their blow-off match in New York over WrestleMania weekend uh, for takeover New York when Tommaso was the champion, when Tommaso was the champion uh, and had the belt taken off of him just weeks before. So it'll be interesting to see the dynamics when these two do see each other face-to-face. And uh, I'm sure they'll have a match to kind of well, satisfy the fans and satisfy themselves to have that blow-off match. But uh, at the moment, the gold isn't involved. None of them are champions. 
so it'd be interesting to see what sort of dynamic they have. And because both of them are baby faces, who knows? They could reform as a DIY. That was always a very popular tag team um, and a good way to kind of get them on the screen together without them necessarily fighting one another. But uh, what were your thoughts on the, on this video package and kind of what's your kind of thoughts, thinking a little bit deeper into it about what may happen between Johnny Gargano and Tommaso when you look a bit further into the future? Uh, overall, I think it's quite good insight, obviously, if like to recap viewers like who are not casually on the eyes of NXT, obviously because of the moves that the USA Network. So obviously it's trying to establish this feud that's happened with obviously the return of Champion it's like turning face. Yeah. After his injury, it's obviously trying to like give a bit of a backstory to the new viewers that have come in to watch the product if they're not familiar with the products. Uh I could I could possibly see him having a blow off uh, not a blow off feud feud Matt sort of takeover but I could possibly see them try to build it up for LXC TV yeah. possibly somehow it gets interfered and they might see, uh, form DIY again probably go after Undisputed Era yeah yeah, it'd be interesting. I think that there's a lot of uh, ways it could go, a lot of possibilities. I like the idea of uh, what you've just said of them kind of joining forces as a babyface combo uh, to go after the, you know, the the, the heel groups within the, the, the group, possibly Undisputed Era or some other combination. But uh, it looks like Tommaso Ciampa um, has got one eye set on Adam Cole's championship. And obviously he never lost uh, the NXT championship. He, he kind of had the title taken away from him and he wants his Goldie back. So it'll be interesting to see. There's lots of kind of different things here. There's lots of uh, different uh, threads to the storyline. It's, it's quite interesting, to be honest with you. So uh, I am interested to see where it goes next. But uh, on to our next match. Um, and it featured another kind of superstar within the NXT ranks, Io Shirai versus Caden Carter. So uh, I know Caden was part of the 2018 May Young Classic under a different name. Now, I can't remember who she was. It's Lucy in... Lane. Yeah. So, yeah, I think you're right. Lacey Lane. Lacey Lane. Lacey Lane, yeah. Because I think there was there were signs in the audience to say um, Lacey Lane's fans in the crowd. That was it. That was it, yes. Because I remember in that Mayan Classic, you had Lacey Evans and you had Lacey Lane. So, yes. Uh, but she's back here under a different name. I think she's been carrying the new name for a little while now. Uh, Caden Carter. Um, now, Caden uh, here putting a quite a spirited effort against Io Shirai. However, after a devastating German suplex from Io and her patented moonsault, there was only ever going to be one winner, and that was the Empress of the Sky, of course, Io Shirai. So after the match, Io got on the mic telling us that uh, it's not Rhea Ripley and it's not Bianca Belair. She tells Shayna that it is her, uh, I think, uh, signalling that uh, she she wants to be the next contender to Bianca, to uh, Shayna Baszler's championship, of course. Then we get an appearance from Rhea Ripley, uh, who comes out to the ring to snatch the mic away from Io, telling Io that uh, if, she, if she ever spits her name out of her mouth again, then she has no problem shutting her up too. So some uh, strong words there from Rhea Ripley. And uh, that, that's a match that I wouldn't mind seeing, to be honest with you. Io Shirai versus uh, Rhea Ripley. Io then uh, shows no fear as she appears to challenge Rhea Ripley to a match in her native tongue, Japanese, of course. Uh, and that would be a match I'd love to see. And I've, I've got a feeling that we're going to see that on an upcoming episode of NXT pretty soon. Uh, what were your thoughts on this? Uh, quite short match and quite a dominant win here from Io Shirai and the exchange between Io and Rhea Ripley on the microphone afterwards. Uh, tell us your thoughts, Ash. Uh, overall, obviously, it's just, it was 
probably uh, it was an easy win for Shirai in the end. Yeah. But it's obviously it's just character driven side to build up her momentum to obviously challenge for the women's title, which we'll get on to a bit later. And over I because I think they've got I think scheduled for next week, I think it's Rhea Ripley versus Bianca Bello, I think. Yeah, so I it's think that they being billed as a number one contenders match, I think. I'm not I'm sure. I'm not too sure if it is a number one contenders uh-huh. match. It might be, but I think they could possibly have a triple threat between Shirai, Rhea Ripley and Bianca Bele to see who gets the title shot, possibly, yeah, further down be. the line. Yeah, OK. Uh, but, uh, yeah, no, uh, but I'd say quite a, a good performance. It's always good to see Io Shirai. I, I love her new darker um, heelish gimmick. I think that it's so much better than what she was trying to portray before. I think she played a heel quite a lot um, in stardom in Japan uh, during a Japanese run. And um, uh, yeah, it, it's, it's a shame that uh, Kyrie Sane didn't stick around in NXT because I would have would have loved to have seen Kyrie versus Io. Um, obviously, best friends. Uh, one is a babyface, one is a heel, but uh, that may happen somewhere down the line. Who knows? Uh, then we get Kathy Kelly backstage interviewing William Regal, who tells us that the Velveteen Dream will be unable to challenge Roddy, Roderick Strong, for the North American Championship next week uh, because of his brutal beatdown that he suffered at the hands of UE earlier in the show. Regal tells us that Roderick Strong will still be defending his North American Championship next week, but it will be up against the winner of either Keith Lee and uh, Dominic Dijakovic, who will be uh, fighting each other later on in the episode so a uh, uh, nice bit of promo work there from William Regal setting up a match for next week and I can't imagine that that news went down too well with Roderick Strong or the rest of the members of Undisputed Era and then we get the uh, aforementioned match Keith Lee versus Dominic Dojkovic so this is now a number one contenders match for the North American Championship so the stakes have been raised I mean we've seen these two they've had three blockbuster matches previously uh, but now the stakes are a little bit higher in this match with the winner getting a shot at the North American Championship next week so uh, in this match some of the highlights uh, Keith Lee drops Dijakovic with a huge pounce uh, Dijakovic drops Lee with a choke bomb uh, Lee goes to the middle rope to deliver a frog splash to uh, Dominic's left arm before nailing a, a gigantic sit-out powerbomb with Dijakovic that's easy for me to say uh, rolling out of the ring to safety uh, Dijakovic gets a close near fall from his cyclone kick Keith Lee gets a close near fall from a, a powerful vertical suplex and it took him a while to power up the uh, taller Dijakovic there but he did eventually um, without putting him down once uh, Keith Lee's a tremendously strong guy there uh, then uh, with uh, Keith Lee perched upon the top turnbuckle Dijakovic picks Lee up into an electric chair however Keith Lee still has the presence of mind to deliver an awesome poison runner for another two count and that's something you don't see a big man of Keith Lee's size uh, perform you see in the cruiserweights you don't see it with uh, Keith Lee at 340 pounds um, and uh, I'd say that was another holy shit moment for the fans and um, definitely uh, something to add to their resume of highlights or match highlights from uh, their four matches they've had together um, that move seemed to take the match to another level both men then uh, took to the top turnbuckles again where it appeared Lee was about to hit an avalanche powerbomb off the turnbuckle uh, when Roderick Strong comes out from out of nowhere to nail both men with the North American Championship belt causing the disqualification end to this match so uh, Roderick thinks he's outsmarted William Regal by causing a non-finish to this number one contenders match however Regal from uh, up in the crow's nest somewhere on a box somewhere shouts down to the ring on a microphone and uh, 
sends down some bad news for Roderick Strong, telling Strong that he will be defending his championship next week and it will be in a triple threat match against Keith Lee and Dominic Dijakovic. So a bit of a uh, turn of events there and William Regal getting another one up on Roderick Strong. So we just saw another great match between these two. I don't think Dominic Dijakovic and Keith Lee can have a bad match, can they, Ashley? I mean, this was a fantastic match. Uh, it just seemed to get better and better. And this is match number four. And uh, next week, it'll be match number five, but it'll be in a three-way match uh, with a championship on the line. But give us your thoughts on this one here, buddy. I've enjoyed this view so, 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 so much. Yeah. After the past couple... Their, their matches have gotten better and better over the past week. Apart from the... Down finish. I this was easily my match of the night for this show. It's like it just been blew me away. They've been poison rider from Leeds. I was just a gobsmacked after that. I was like mm. bloody hell. Mm. You got you going because each each match they've top, they've done a spot for, to make the match memorable. The thing, the first the second match you, Lee does the bin. Uh, Spanish five from the top rope, which you don't yeah. think he would do. <laughs> then Dijakovic hits a destroyer from the top rope in the next match after that. And then they do the poison rider. You think, bloody hell, what what, what have these two still got to give? Yeah. And potentially try to do it again next week is going to be very, very interesting. Yeah. Oh, do you think that uh, at the end of this year we'll be looking back on this feud between Keith Lee and Dominic Dijakovic as possibly feud of the year? What do you think? I could possibly see it being a contender for it if I as there's not really any the only other feud I could think could possibly top it really so far is Cole Gargano yeah but true. I think that's the only other feud I can think of that could possibly top it yeah the matches they've been having because obviously it was was it seven or eight weeks since they had their first match to their second match? Obviously, they had a long build-up because dudes both having injuries. Yes. Yeah. And obviously, it's build-up anticipation for the fans to see how, what they can do with their next match. Yeah. So, it'll be interesting to see uh, how the dynamics of the matches or the chemistry between these two change, adding Roderick Strong into the mix. And Roderick Strong, I mean, he's renowned for his uh, variety of backbreakers. Makes you wonder uh, how many backbreakers he's going to be able to perform on Keith Lee or maybe Dijakovic next week. Probably not as many, but he is yeah. quite strong. He, he's kind of quite a, um, a smaller but uh, a well-built package. Uh, Roderick Strong. I reckon he's uh, stronger than he looks. Uh, mm. But it'll be. I think some of the holy shit moments next week might be when he kind of picks up Keith Lee and kind of performs uh, some of the moves that he would tend to do on a smaller wrestler. And the same for Dijakovic. So uh, I think next week. I mean, if that doesn't go on last, if that's not the main event. I mean, that, that's a match that uh, can blow the socks off of anybody, whether you're watching it live or kind of on your TV screens. And uh, I think uh, that could be the match that could possibly pull back the ratings for NXT. But I'm really looking forward to that one. Yeah, I'm definitely looking forward to that match as well. Is it since yeah. Roddy Fick tried out smart being regal, but ends up shooting himself in the foot? <laughs> <laughs> definitely. definitely. Oh, I'm, not having, I'm not having any challenges. No, you get two of them. Yeah, typical Undisputed Era. Uh, but uh, moving on to our next match, um, Matt Riddle versus uh, Bronson Reed. So uh, we haven't seen a lot of Bronson Reed since the NXT breakout tournament a few months ago where he made a bit of a name for himself. Uh, but uh, here he's on primetime TV on the USA Network against the original bro, the king of bros, whatever you want to call him, Matt Riddle. Uh, so Riddle goes from uh, zero to 100 miles an hour as the bell rings uh, to start this match. However, Reed does block a bro with a pair.
Pereira raised the knees um, and uh, performs a senton of his own. Riddle does manage to stun the audience with a tremendous show of power, um, st- starting with a, uh, a massive bro to sleep. So his version of the GTS, of course, uh, then an awesome power bomb. So that match was a lot of fun with uh, Riddle demonstrating his awesome strength and uh, a brilliant array of moves. Uh, but uh, this match also gave us a look at uh, Bronson Reed, who continues to impress. And I'm predicting big things for Bronson Reed, both uh, literally and uh, figuratively. Uh, but uh, give us your thoughts on this Matt Riddle versus Bronson Reed match and uh, your thoughts on the, on the individuals. Uh, give, give us your overall thoughts on these two then, buddy. Uh, early doors on the backs of both both men show early job it's having having blows the blows make make sure who makes make out who's the ben, bigger man in the end but yeah. it showed both men showed their strengths throughout the match riddles show some great power moves in there to get um to overcome the big man of Bronson Reed and Bronson Reed was looking took the had a great comeback in the match as well but it was very hard fought win for riddle in the end but Game been brought to Reed's respect at the end of the match, Mark Evan had been fish bump at the end. Yeah, that was a pretty cool ending, a, a bit of a show of respect there between two guys. Uh, and um, yeah, I mean, I, 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 Bat Riddle uh, obviously lost his championship opportunity when he had a NXT title match against Adam Cole a couple of weeks ago. That was a really good match. Um, and uh, probably, well, I say really good match. It's probably one of the best matches um, ever shown on NXT TV. And it opened the show that week. Um, I think that was the, the first week they went head to head with uh, Dynamite, of course. Yeah, and that was a cracking match. And uh, yeah, it looks like they're trying to rebuild Matt Riddle. Uh, but with Tommaso Ciampa on the scene and Finn Balor on the scene, uh, both kind of with one eye on Adam Cole's championship, I don't think Matt Riddle is going to be in contention for the gold anytime soon, unless he kind of throws his hat into the ring for the North American Championship somewhere down the line. That doesn't appear to be on the cards immediately, though. But uh, good to see Matt Riddle. Um, good to see him kind of pull out uh, his, uh, you know, a good selection of moves and um, demonstrating a lot of power as well. I mean, he's quite a muscular guy. He's a well-built guy, uh, but he he definitely showed that he's got the power here as well. But um, moving on to the next match, and this match was a lot of fun as well, uh, albeit very, very short. Uh, Tainara, formerly Tainara Conte, of course, going up against Tegan Knox. So this is Tegan's first match on NXT since returning from a uh, year-long injury, uh, being out with a torn ACL, of course, following last year's May Young Classic. Uh, we have, however, seen Tegan more recently on NXT UK, where she recently lost out to the women's champion Kaylee Ray a couple of weeks ago for the NXT UK Women's Championship. Um, uh, but after some you know, fairly good offense from Tainara, Tainara did get her, her licks in. Uh, Tiga Knox made her come back with a clothesline, um, a, a choke slam, a running elbow, and a, a senton in the corner, and a top rope flying crossbody, uh, all before finishing her opponent off with the shiniest of all wizards for the one, two, three. So uh, a good match here for Tegan. She definitely uh, pulled out all the stops uh, to beat her opponent in the end. In the end, it looked like a fairly easy victory for Tegan. So great to see her back. Great to see her back on NXT as well, which is where I think uh, she would have been a a massive superstar had she not got injured uh, about this time last year. So as I said, Tegan Ox looked uh, really, really good. Um, I was quite impressed that she used the choke slam. You don't see uh, many women um, on the uh, WWE or NXT roster use the choke slam, but um, obviously uh, taking uh, a leaf out of the, one of her favourite wrestlers, Kane's book. So I was quite impressed with the choke slam there. 
And uh, after the match, Tegan is congratulated by Kathy Kelly at ringside and a uh, team kick stablemate Dakota Kai uh, when we hear the music of current NXT Women's Champion Shayna Baszler. So Shayna comes down to the ring with uh, uh, other two stablemates and uh, has a mic in hand to tell Tegan that she's uh, that Tegan's running out of limbs to rehab. Uh, so a nice line there from Shayna Baszler and that uh, Tegan hasn't earned a title shot and needs to speak to her again when she's done something worth talking about. So uh, that was one hell of a promo from Shayna Baszler. Quite a funny promo as well, uh, managing to put Tegan in her place. However, I'm pretty sure that we will be seeing Tegan as some kind of championship or number one contenders match fairly soon. She certainly seems to be uh, making a bit of a name for herself stateside now so uh give us your thoughts on this one and kind of the, the little uh promo exchange well it wasn't really a promo exchange i think uh shana bays had kind of beat her to the floor with her two lines there that she gave to tika knox but uh, give us your thoughts on this one buddy uh, it was an overall good match between the two i think it was tika knox's official debut for nxt i think on tv at least because i don't recall her being on t- nxt tv before yeah, I think you're right in saying that. Yeah, correct. Because I think she was signed to WWE just before the first May Young Classic, and obviously that's when she suffered her first knee injury. Yeah. And obviously she then debuted in the second May Young Classic after she healed up, healed up from her first injury, and then obviously unfortunately suffered a, a second injury to the opposite knee, and obviously ruled out for nearly enough a full calendar year until she rehabbed and got back onto the circuit. Yeah. I think it was in the past couple of months or so. That's right. Yeah, she she's done uh, some live events uh, for NXT around Florida, um, and then of course uh, we saw her in the crowd at uh, Takeover Cardiff, and she uh, wrestled during the tapings the following night. Um, like I say, she went up against Kaylee Ray a couple of weeks ago. But here, yeah, you're quite right. This is her first appearance on NXT uh, from Full Sail, anyway. So yeah, you're quite right. Uh, yeah, overall, I think it was a good way to like show off Tegan's capability as well. There's obviously great use of, uh, of the chokeslam as well. As he says, that's not a move that's been predominantly used by women as such. I can't think of any other one person using it really. No. Either, the, either past years gone by or currently, either on any brand or even on the independent scene off the top of my head. Yeah, it's normally kind of like a big man move, isn't it? So uh, to yeah. see uh, to see somebody within the women's uh, division, not that it should matter, of course, but uh, it's not a, it's not a move that you would associate with anybody in the women's roster. So if that's going to be part of a move set, then fine, I'm all for it. I think it, it suited on it as a good move. Mm, definitely, and not the um, aftermath of the match as well was quite interesting as well. It's obviously setting up more contenders for Shane's title as well, and her just her might work is just improved over the over the past couple of years so yeah. much the how the, the the lies oh you've got no oh just go you've got no more limbs to go rehab oh you can just go 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 go, go rehab over there yeah, yeah. Come and speak to me when you've done something. So, uh, so yeah. far in this episode, we've uh, seen impressive outings from Tegan Knox and Io Shirai, as well as uh, excellent promos from Rhea Ripley and Shayna Baszler uh, and uh, a Bianca Belair video package as well. Not to mention Candice LeRae's excellent outing against Shayna Baszler a couple of weeks ago for the NXT Women's title. I'm loving the women's division right now in NXT. Uh, it just appears to go from strength to strength. And, uh, you know, there's rumours that Tony Storm might be joining NXT fairly soon 
as well. Um, so what's your thoughts on the on the current state of the women's division on NXT especially? I mean, they, they seem to be highlighting and promoting the women and the women's division on the live NXTs on the USA Network quite heavily. Certainly this week demonstrated that. Um, but uh, you say they've already had... Um, a couple of women's matches, some some quite hot promos, and a video package with Bianca Belair. Um, and uh, yeah, you know they're, they're putting a lot of emphasis and a lot of focus on the women in NXT, and it seems to be paying off. You know they're definitely delivering. Yeah, they definitely are delivering. There's some that I'll bring up in AEW about their women division as well. It's seen with NXT and NXT UK, they're allowing their stars to develop as much, and you actually get in to see a variety of different people as well. Yeah, across yeah. both across both NXT and NXT UK, and he's given quite a lot of storyline development for each character as well. Yeah, definitely they do. They do. I think NXT is all. They've always been very good at uh, developing stars, giving them time uh, to develop and to grow a personality. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean that's something that although the main roster product SmackDown or Raw. They have more hours of TV every single week to fill. You would think that they would be able to fill that by developing the characters, by doing vignettes and by doing, um, you know, video packages like the NXT brands and the the AEW brands are doing very successfully. But uh, Raw and SmackDown haven't quite grasped the concept of doing that effectively to build the characters that are bringing up. It's like, right, here's, here's somebody we're bringing up from NXT to Raw or SmackDown, plonk them in a match. Nobody knows anything about them. There's no background. Uh, whereas before, when I was growing up a wrestling fan in the, uh, you could say, late 80s or early 90s, they would do, you know, four or five weeks of video packages promoting uh, Ted DiBiase or promoting, you know, Mr. Perfect or promoting Razor Ramon. Um, and uh, you would know the ins and outs of these characters before they made their debut. Um, and it just takes a bit of time, takes a bit of patience, take a bit of imagination. Uh, they could do it then 30 years ago. Why can't they do it now? But um, times have changed, I know. But I think that that would help to create more stars because when you look at the stars of you know the modern era, a lot of the characters are quite bland. They haven't really got a great personality. Uh, when you compare kind of the Hall of Famers, you know from the 80s and from the 90s, um, you know you had big characters. It didn't need to be outlandish characters. They didn't need to be you know clowns or you know garbage men or anything like that. But you had kind of characters that could talk that looked great. Um, but uh, a lot of the characters of the modern scene certainly seem very similar and it's, it's when you get to a character like the velveteen dream that it kind of takes you back to the 80s and the 90s of the kind of more flamboyant macho men or the you know ravishing rick rude and that sort of ilk but uh, they need to do a bit more like that not, not too many outlandish characters but like i say maybe just doing the video packages maybe doing the hype packages um and uh, you know just a few weeks before their debut just building up that character in a similar way to what they did recently with damien priest i suppose and we'll be talking a bit about him very soon but that's a good example of something they've done right in nxt that they can't quite get right on the main roster just yet but um uh yeah i mean give, give us your thoughts uh, overall on the women's division on nxt it's, it's very strong and um i mean who can you see and there's so many possible contenders to shana's title we, we, we thought for so many times now that she was gonna lose against bianca belair or lose against uh candice larray or lose against um, whoever it might be nikki cross or io shirai and it's not happened and she's retained and she's retained and she's retained and we've been predicting for a long time that shana was going to be called up to either raw or smackdown and that's not happened she continues to hold on to the belt so give us your thoughts on kind of the picture at the moment regarding the women's scene on nxt and who do you think might take the belt off shana eventually uh it's a hard one to call really i think 
at the moment. It's, I think it's a toss-up between either Rhea Ripley or Ian Shirai. Right. Personally, I can see I can see possibly at the War Games takeover, possibly a multi-women's match. But as in like a fatal four-way, so it's an easy way to get the belt off Shannon without her taking the pin or submission. Yeah, so obviously true. she loses it by not by still having kept strong, but obviously not taking the loss per in the in the ring. Yeah. So I could see it being either a triple threat or a fatal four way possibly, but to say who her challenge is going to be, I say it's between either Ian Shrey or Rhea Ripley really, and they can possibly throw Tika Knox into there, but I think that could be a bit too soon for her. You could possibly even throw Candice LeRae into it, obviously, to play off their storyline they had early in the year, well, earlier on as well, but obviously it's like quite difficult to say, really, at the moment. Yeah, no, I mean, there's so many possible contenders, isn't there? So many names and so many people that you could uh, say, uh, you know, might vie for Shayna's title in the future. But I, I, I like your kind of bit of fantasy book in there, possibly having a three or four way match at the next takeover. I think that could work. Um, but uh, yeah, we shall see. I, I think the bottom line is that the women's division on NXT is absolutely stacked at the minute and there's so many possibilities. And uh, like I say, it's certainly keeping my interest. And it, it's good that they're using the, the, the women um, in a prominent featured role every single week on NXT. So good for them. Uh, the next match was between Boa and Killian Dane. Unfortunately for Boa, it wasn't much of a match. Uh, the match ended in pretty quick and dominant fashion with Dane destroying Boa after a huge senton. Three Vader bombs, followed by a submission hold that looks like a combination of a camel clutch and an ob- abdominal stretch. Uh, and I'm fairly sure that the referee called an end to this match um, with with Boa looking in a lot of pain and a lot of trouble uh, from that uh, moment. Certainly from the moment that move was applied anyway. Uh, we then head into the main event of this week's NXT featuring Pete Dunne and the Archer of Infamy, Damien Priest, in a match that's been building for a few weeks now after Priest attacks the Bruiserweight following a win for Dunne on a recent episode of NXT. Uh, however, the, the action started early for Dunne as he passed the recently victorious Killian Dane near the stage area. And as Dane approached the Bruiserweight, uh, Dunne just simply wasted no time in, in snapping away at Killian Dane's fingers uh, before continuing his very cool and calm walk to the ring um and uh, that that's a pair that's a match that i would uh, definitely like to see more of i think killian dane and, and pete dunn could be quite an entertaining feud um we'll probably see a lot more of those two in the future but with this match there was a bit of a scary moment when uh, pete dunn appeared to you know almost uh, drop uh, damien priest from the middle turnbuckle with a, a suplex of sorts with priest almost landed on his head even dunn landed awkwardly on that one uh dunn takes the match to the outside connecting with a huge moonsault from the middle, middle turnbuckle onto priest uh, on the floor on the outside dunn is able to get a close near fall from a high angled liger bomb uh, priest sends dunn um flying into the the, the steel ring post before delivering a crucifix power bomb like a razor's edge for a two count there uh priest even delivers an impressive somersault sent on this time nailing dunn uh, on the outside of the ring priest shows off his uh, agility with a top rope hurricane runner followed by a huge choke slam for a near fall uh, the match does eventually descend into a bit of an all-out fist fight in the center of the ring with both men uh, countering each other's signature moves in some real back and forth action uh, to loud to the loud approval of the nxt uh, fans we even get a fight forever chant from the fans at full sale 
Uh, Dunn attempts a top rope moonsault, only to find Priest's knees uh, from the, the hard, for a hard landing there off the moonsault attempt. Uh, with the referee distracted in the corner, um, Priest delivers a, a low blow to Dunn uh, before connecting with his uh, the reckoning for the pinfall victory for Damien Priest. So that was a, a pretty good match, and uh, it was uh, really fun to see Pete Dunn in the main event of a live NXT on the USA Network. So demonstrating that Triple H and the uh, NXT crew definitely have a lot of trust in the Bruiser away. However, Damien Priest. Um, he's kind of like a shiny new toy in NXT and he got the pinfall win here after some crafty heel tactics with a low blow and the reckoning for the win. So give us your thoughts on this match. I thought, I thought the match was pretty good. It went about 15 minutes. Um, I thought uh, Pete Dunne um, wrestled a really good match. But in the end, it was uh, some crafty heel tactics from uh, the shiny new toy, Damien Priest. Uh, but a good match nonetheless. Uh, give us your thoughts, Ash. Uh, as, as again, as you've proven there, it's, it was another great match. From uh, from these two individuals, I thought when Pete originally slapped Dane's fingers, I thought he was going to come out at the end of the match and cost Pete the match. But obviously that didn't come to fruition. But hey ho, it might play out further down the line. But yeah, we'll see. Um, great, great, uh, good chemistry between the two. It's literally quite hard hit, um, hard hitting, quite fast pace. It's quite unique to see someone of pre-size who's what, six four six five being very yeah. agile and hitting a, a quite good springboard somersault plunge to the outside which I wasn't expecting from a big man that is himself that was a good move yeah he kind of flipped off the uh, off the second rope from inside the ring going over the top rope so it's something that we've seen maybe Grand Metalik do or someone of that ilk but uh, to see Damien Priest do it I was very impressed yeah it was very, very impressive um, and it just literally that's how Pritz pre- well how Priest there wins the match as well. It's literally it cements him as playing the heel character now. Where we think he was like the in in between characters between it. He's definitely gone now. He's definitely using the advantage of definitely cheating to win. I like Eddie Guerrero and winning at any needs necessary. Yeah. Yeah, so uh, a really good match to cap off uh, an excellent two hours of NXT. Um, so, so, you know, on, on next week's NXT, we'll be getting a number one contenders match for the... Uh, well, I, I say it's for the NXT Women's Championship. It probably isn't. As you said earlier, you, you may have corrected me. I don't think it's been announced as a number one contenders match. But uh, Bianca Belair versus Rhea Ripley, um, you'll be getting the, the triple threat match. Now, this will be for the North American Championship with Roddy Strong having to defend his title against two huge monsters in Keith Lee and Dominic Dijakovic and we know what those two are capable of and that match will be very special indeed and can't wait to cover that one especially on next week's podcast but uh, for the first time we've covered AEW before we've spoken about uh, AEW uh, we covered Double or Nothing pay-per-view we've covered AEW All Out pay-per-view from uh, from the end of August we covered that on the 1st of September um, but for the first time ever we're going to be covering AEW Dynamite so uh, uh, this week's AEW starts with a, a kind of a uh, in furious fashion with SCU. Uh, they they come out for their tag team tournament match against Best Friends uh, when they are vicious, viciously and violently attacked by the Lucha Bros uh, on the rampway. So uh, Pentagon uh, even pile drives Christopher Daniels on the rampway with a, a violent attack only coming to an end when Scorpio Sky comes out to make the save. So this was obviously stemming from um, SEU and the Lucha Brothers confrontation um, a couple of weeks ago on the first ever Dynamite um, when they had that confrontation on the stage, being interviewed by Tony Schiavone. 
However, this match does still go ahead with Scorpio Sky taking the place of Christopher Daniels uh, alongside Kazarian, of course, adding a bit of a, a new dynamic to this match with Scorpio wrestling in his street clothes, not uh, fully expecting to be inserted into the match when he was. Uh, the best friends go after Kazarian and he's injured back after the early attack from Penta and Ray Phoenix. Uh, the best friends even get a close near fall from an assisted vertical suplex. Scorpio Sky even gets the hot tag. Uh, he eventually gets the hot tag but soon gets bundled to the outside where Chucky T delivers an awesome sent on over the top rope unfortunately landed on his own partner uh, even Kazarian gets in on the act with a dive over the top rope followed by a tope con hero from Scorpio Sky bringing the match uh, back in the favour of SCU um, earlier in the match, Scorpio had his running shoe taken off and thrown into the fans uh, by one of the members of uh, Best Friends. Uh, the shoe gets thrown back into the ring with the referee kicking it back out of the ring, not realising that it belonged to Scorpio Sky. Uh, the Best Friends hit their soul food um, and uh, their kind of half and half suplex combination. Uh, uh, Trent Beretta hits a, a sexy Chucky T uh, or sexy Chucky knee I think he calls it uh, with uh, uh, Chucky and uh, Trent combining with a doomsday flying knee for a close near fall uh, Trent goes for a pile driver on the ring apron only to be backdropped on the ring apron by Kazarian and the end of the match comes when Kazarian, uh, Kazarian and Scorpius Guy combine with a powerbomb drop kick allowing Kazarian to hook the leg and get the 1-2-3 on Trent Beretta so much like last week opener where uh, Private Party and the Young Bucks had the outstanding opener in the first match of the tag team tournament this was a great opener and a really great match in the AEW tag team tournament uh, with another great advert for AEW tag team wrestling I suppose uh, which is looking as hot as any other promotion at the moment certainly in their tag division right now so Ash I don't know whether you're much of a fan of AEW or whether this is your, kind of your, your first exposure to AEW uh, but uh, I'd love to know your thoughts on, on kind of this match. And, you know, it was, it, was a, it was a pretty hot opener, a really good tag match. Um, and, uh, yeah, give us your thoughts on, on kind of your impression of this match then, buddy. Uh, I enjoyed the match as a whole. It's quite... Um, I've seen Frankie uh, Cesarian compete before. I've not really seen the others compete before and quite a lot of the rest of this talent on the card as well. But we're getting the individual match as it goes. Uh, overall, I think the match was quite a decent match. But with the whole tail out Christopher Daniels that match, I'm not too sure if he actually had a legit injury. But they give like an update later on, say he's only had a stinger. But it's like the only reason he would be taken out of the match is if he had a legit injury. So I'm not too sure what's gone on there. There's one thing that happened in this match. I'll bring up in the other tag team title tournament match. Yeah. Is what are the rules with AEW in their tag team? tag team matches because there's been the, the, uh, the way this match ends and I'll bring up again the other tag team title tournament match is Kazarian makes a tag while he's on the apron I'm sure that doesn't class as a tag right so uh, as opposed to what being in the corner in the hanging on to the, the rope or no so he's standing on the apron next to his partner and makes a tag while yeah. he's not in the ring yeah I think that's surely not a tag. Ah, uh, I understand. So, okay, well, that, right. Well, um, yeah, <laughs> I think that um, there are some rule changes when it comes to tag team wrestling in AEW. I know that they've got a, a twenty count on the outside, um, yeah. and. Uh, 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's that's kind of the, the main difference between that and what you might find in WWF. It's very similar to the Japanese products and uh, New Japan, where they've got a twenty count on the outside. But I think you you spotted something there that nobody else has picked up on, to be honest with you. Um, and uh, it sounds like either the referee wasn't paying attention, or maybe they're a little bit more uh, lax when it comes to kind of tags in and out maybe it's kind of a bit more of a fluid uh, lucha style um <coughs> uh, lucha style tag wrestling but uh yeah i don't know it's an interesting one i'll have to go back and watch that again uh, yeah yeah good point uh well, lucha rules as well it's literally it seems one you one part of the team gets thrown out the other man can come in so it's not lucha rules so it's sure I'll yeah. bring up the other possibly, point later in the possibly just a, possibly just a, a botch that the referee didn't notice there but uh, yeah. that's a really good spot there um, moving into the next match and it's uh, so so going back to the first one so obviously uh, um, <coughs> SCU were victorious and uh, they they progressed to the the semi-finals of the tag team tournament. We'll talk more about the tag team tournament a bit later on because we've got a second match uh, from the uh, from the tournament to cover. Uh, but the next match of AW Dynamite was a bit of a squash, to be honest with you. You had the combination of John Silver and Alex Reynolds, who must be some uh, I don't know lower card, maybe some independent guys just coming in for a payday, going up against the former LAX Santana and Ortiz. So. Uh, this is Santana and Ortiz's official tag team debut here in uh, AEW, not forgetting their six-man tag on the premiere of uh, Dynamite a couple of weeks ago with Santana and Ortiz going by the name of, I think they're kind of, they're possibly going by the name of Proud and Powerful or something like that, but uh, that's certainly what they had on their shirts. Um, Santana and Ortiz take turns in pummeling Silver and Reynolds in this match. Uh, the match barely goes two or three minutes with Santana and Ortiz nailing their street sleeper double team, which was essentially a, like a power bomb, a net breaker combination. Um, and this was a great introduction to the former LAX. And uh, I love their entrance where you saw them kind of walk through the backstage area prior to making their entrance on the rampway. Uh, but this was a good introduction. I think we kind of learned a little bit more about LAX or Santana and Ortiz um, as part of the AEW roster after this match. And um, yeah, it was quite a dominant win. And a good introduction to these two individuals but what were your thoughts on this one yeah, as you said it's literally a good way of getting it's literally an enhancement card of match for Santos Ortiz obviously getting them in front of the eyes well in front of the AEW audience and literally the other two I think the their opponents were announced as local enhancement uh, local talent so it's literally was literally an enhancement match to literally just get them a bit of momentum but obviously what plays out after the match kind of sets up what happens at the next pay-per-view yeah good point good point so then we get a brief promo on screen from le champion uh chris jericho uh with jericho sending out a challenge to the young bucks for them to face santana and ortiz at full gear uh the pay-per-view in november uh will the challenge be accepted and if so that should be one hell of a match you know if the young bucks who are no longer part of the tag team tournament go up against santana and ortiz um i'd be tuning in for that one all day long uh we then see a, a vignette showing a more focused and a more driven side of Cody, uh, Don't Call Me Rhodes, as they start the build towards the main event of Full Gear with Cody taking on Jericho for Jericho's AEW World Championship on November the 9th. Uh, this was a, a really excellent video package and definitely one of the highlights of the whole show, possibly one of the highlights of the whole week, to be honest with you, with the likes of DDP, Tony Schiavone, Brandy Rhodes, Jim Ross, and someone you don't see very often, if at all. I mean, I, I've heard about this, this lady quite a few times, um, um, and it's it's Cody's mother, obviously the the wife of uh, the late great Hall of Famer Dusty Rose. 
mother of Dustin Rhodes, mother of Cody, of course, don't get to see, um, you know, the mother of Cody um, on screen pulling for her son and kind of saying, you know, how much he wants this AEW title. But it's a really good package. Um, and uh, they're all talking up Cody's chances of beating Chris Jericho for the World Championship on November the 9th. And that's kind of maybe more invested in Cody. That's maybe more invested in this match. Um, and yeah, at the end of it, I kind of wanted, you know, rooting for Cody to be the new AEW World Champion. But a hell of a video package. And, you know, a lot of thought and a lot of effort went into this. And uh, the, the amount of... Uh, faces on there that kind of spoke about Cody and about this match but uh, I mean I don't know if you kind of had similar thoughts when you saw this one but what were your thoughts on this this video package hyping up their match at full gear essentially I enjoyed this video package it literally if you've not literally just tuned in it literally gets you behind the, the main the main title feuds literally if you've this couple of weeks or have not been aware of the products this is a good step into the eyes of the company Definitely. Get you behind of why this is match is happening. Um, there were several different interesting talking heads throughout this been um, video package. It's like really brings your eyes. As you say, you see Cody's mum for the first time. I've not, I wasn't too sure who it was until it came up when it said her her name. I thought, okay, this is Cody's mum. Then I didn't expect to see her on this. I wasn't too sure if she would be. Up for doing stuff in wrestling because I'm not too sure if she's been involved yeah. in it before. I so, don't think. I mean, she. I think she's been involved behind the scenes because, of course, Dusty had his own promotion, mm-hmm. and she's obviously been involved in in wrestling. Uh, both through her family and through the promotion that she helped to run for many, many years, decades, in fact. But she's never been a very public figure. She's never really, uh, you know, I, I can't recall seeing her on camera before. Um, she's always been quite a, a private person. She's always kind of backstage as one of the kind of wrestlers' wives, certainly back in the, the 70s and the 80s. But, uh, um, yeah, it, it was great to see. And it added a bit, a bit more uh a bit more of a personal sentiment to the video package to be honest with you and um yeah uh i, I thought it was fantastic from beginning to end one of the best things on uh, wrestling tv this week but um yeah we'll, we'll move on to our next match then ash so it was um Britt baker versus rio so rio is the current uh aw women's champion so I, I wasn't entirely sure you might need to correct me here was it for the aw women's championship or was it a non-title match do you recall it was for the women's championship and i'll bring up a note that was mentioned in the commentary yeah i heard it yeah was- so i i was i, I wasn't entirely, i thought it was but it was kind of like underplayed really um but uh I, so I, I was a little bit surprised to be honest with you, you may have similar thoughts to see Britt Baker challenging for the championship so soon. I mean, she's kind of like, it's been this figurehead of the AEW women's division. She obviously wasn't involved in the first uh, championship match. That was obviously no. Nyla Rose and uh, Rio yeah. from a couple of weeks ago. But um, I would have thought they might have held off from uh, giving Britt Baker a championship until maybe full gear or until a more, you know, more of a pay-per-view type thing um, because she's always been like the ambassador or an ambassador going out there talking for a W and being like the, the the figurehead of the women's division um but uh, i thought they might have held off until a bigger mm. show to kind of give a, a championship opportunity here so what, what were your thoughts uh, i mean were you surprised to see brit baker challenging so soon yeah i was it's literally one of my notes is literally how has brit baker got a title shot when yeah. she's not won a number one contenders match or thinking third week of tv and she's got a title match i'm thinking how's this worked Whereas yeah. I know, I know they're doing this whole thing, the AEW are trying to do this whole thing where 
victories matter at the end of the day in the whole company and obviously it builds up to a top you get a title shot. Mm. We've we'll talked about later on with Darby Allen, he earned a title shot by oh. beating Jimmy Happy in the number one contenders match. So that makes sense. So I don't know where this has come out of. You can build up a match between, say, Britt Baker and B Priestley who had a kind of feud going on with AEW where the winner gets a title shot at the pay-per-view. But for this to come out of nowhere, it's like, OK. They tagged against each other last week. So, logic says they go against each other. Yeah, um, the story is a bit... The story is a bit shady on this one. The story is a bit shady, but uh, the match starts at a bit of a slow pace. Uh, so, so uh, slow pace, if I can get my words out. Uh, I thought there was some quite sloppy groundwork to start off with. It didn't really seem to mesh very well to start off with uh, until Ryu escapes a pinning attempt with a, like a Matrix style bridge into a standing position. Uh, Britt Baker then nails a TKO and a single leg uh, drop kick for a two count of her own. Baker then executes a swinging fisherman netbreaker and a super kick for a very close near fall. And that got a reaction from the fans. And this is where the match started to pick up a little bit. Uh, Ryu gets a two count from a Northern Knight suplex. Uh, Baker escapes a single leg Boston Crab before Ryu gets a two count from a top rope double stomp. Uh, Britt Baker thought she had the match uh, won, uh, but Britt Baker couldn't quite apply or fully apply her lockjaw submission move uh, with uh, Ryu using all of her experience and grittiness to roll Baker back into like a crucifix pinning attempt for the one, two, three. So the wind kind of came out of nowhere. Uh, the, the match definitely got warmed up. It definitely got going towards the end. Uh, their groundwork was a little bit messy, in my opinion, to start the match. But they did tell a good story with uh, Ryu showing a lot of grit and determination and Baker eventually losing out to the more experienced Ryu in, uh, in, in a fun women's championship match. I don't think it's the best women's match that they've had on AEW. It's getting uh, mixed reviews online, so a lot of people are saying it's fantastic. I personally think it was a little bit sloppy. Um, but uh, it, it, yeah, it just didn't seem to join up with the dots for me. But Ash, I'll be interested to know your thoughts on this one. I concur, really. I felt early doors. There was, I think, there was an arm drag that Rio hit, which was quite sloppy. It felt they weren't clicking as much, but as the match grew on, it it progressed very well. And how the how they um, there were several different being spots in the match were actually being it smoothly can transitions into itself. Yeah, and how the mid match ended in a roll through from the. Um, I was just trying to think, it's like a cross face mandible claw, isn't it? Britt Baker kind of finisher. Yeah, How's that's it? right. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. quite a unique finish. It's like how the roll through win. I was trying to think, they try to play Ryu as the plucky younger dog who will get the win out of nowhere. Yeah. There's yeah. a couple of points that I picked up on commentary as well, such as when they came up with. What are your thoughts on the AEW's women's title as a whole? As um, the design of it? Uh, I, I, I've not had a close look at it. I mean, it's not it's not grotesque. It's it's not uh, you know disastrous like the twenty four seven bout or uh, possibly uh, the Universal Championship. But uh, it's all right. It's it's um, I suppose it can be described as a pretty looking bout. You know, it's all right. It's it's um, an improvement on some bouts that I've seen. And I think like like the the men's championship bout, the AEW World Title, that's quite a good looking bout as well. And I think this the women's one is similar. Uh, but uh, yeah, I think it's all right. But I've not studied it closely. But I think it's okay. Yeah, I think I've heard mixed reviews about it. It's not the design of it. It's just the size of it. It just looks so small. Right. When you see it on Rio, it look you can see how it looks like it was designed for her. 
compared to other people because when you see it on her body and it picks up in commentary they say it looks quite the belt looks quite big on her it's like how it's been snuck around it's like on its last buckle to get on to around her waist yeah so I think there might have been slipped up and there was another thing I picked up in commentaries when they started the match I think it might have been a bit of a slip up Scalabus said it was that this is the first match of the AEW Women's Championship I think you mean it's her first title defence because I think she won the title in the title match to crown yeah. a champion. Yeah. So, so I, think uh, I think someone didn't get into something Excalibur's ear to say to make sure you this is the first title match, title defense, not title match. I think that's a slip up. I think which they can try make sure it doesn't happen again further down the line. Yeah, I kind of they, feel I think what... they corrected later on, Tony. Obviously, built up to the Jericho's title defense. It's his first title defense. Correct. But it's something they've picked up and if it okay we need to make sure this doesn't happen again yeah i mean it, it certainly wasn't the biggest gaffe on commentary uh, during the whole show and i think we get to you know something that quite infuriated me in the next match but uh um the next match was another match within the aw tag team tournament um and uh, it was the jurassic express this time it was jungle boy and marco stunt going up against the lucha brothers um and, and so no luchasaurus in this match as he suffered an injury early on in the day with Marco Stunt uh, taking Luchasaurus's place at the last minute, uh, with Stunt and Jungle Boy going up against possibly the best tag team in the world today. And uh, you have to think that uh, without the size and the power of Luchasaurus, uh, the much smaller combination of Stunt and Jungle Boy might have to pull out all of their tricks uh, to have any chance of the win in this match. But uh, before the match started, uh, Penta gets on the mic where, uh, you know, he, he asks where Luchasaurus is. He calls Stunt and Jungle Boy baby sauruses uh, before the referee pulls the microphone out of Ray Phoenix's hand to uh, signal the match to get underway. Um, otherwise, he could have been there all day um, throwing comments at uh, the smaller Jungle Boy and Marco Stunt. So Stunt and Jungle Boy did combine quite well um, and, and get some surprise offense in on, on the Lucha Brothers, despite their obvious shortcomings. Um their offense doesn't last for long, however. Both are dropped with a series of super kicks. Stunt does manage to kick out of a, a pump handle driver from Pentagon. Uh, so that kind of shocked um, the Lucha Brothers and the fans. I think they were expecting that to be it because it was such a powerful move. Uh, Jungle Boy was, was suffering from a, an attack on the outside. Marco Stunt then gets pummeled in the ring with an array of stiff chops and kicks from the Lucha Brothers. Uh, Jim Ross's commentary. Now, we mentioned about Excalibur's commentary earlier, but Jim Ross's commentary in this match really frustrated me infuriated me really wound me up with him constantly calling jungle boy jungle jack now i went online and had a moan about this on twitter and on facebook um none of the other commentators are calling jungle boy jungle jack now jack might be his real name um he's, he's kind of uh shoot name outside of the wrestling world um, obviously, he's the, the son of the former uh, Beverly Hills 90210 actor, um, uh, Luke Perry. So we know that his name is Jack Perry, but um, his name is not Jungle Jack, Jim Ross. It's Jungle Boy. I think we know that. And I felt for Exc- Excalibur, because you may have noted, Ashley, where Excalibur, uh, every time Jim Ross said Jungle Jack, Excalibur felt the need to kind of jump in and say Jungle Boy. So mm. I think he was probably uh, um, pissing off his, his fellow commentators there. The, the match did come to an end with a double foot stomp package pile driver combo from the Lucha Brothers onto Marco Stunt, allowing Pentagon to get the relatively easy pin and to progress to the semi-finals of the tournament. So you, you can't help but think that the Jurassic, Jurassic Express 
might have stood a better chance had uh, the Luchasaurus been part of this match. However, it wasn't to be. Uh, it was an entertaining match. Um, obviously, you had the, the, the plucky uh, underdogs and you had the kind of very cocky, experienced uh, heels. Um, but uh, it certainly makes the, the, the Lucha Brothers red hot favourites for the uh, for the tag team tournament and to take the titles uh, with uh, the Young Bucks no longer part of the tournament. Um, so uh, as it stands, the semi-final looks like this. So you've got uh, four teams in the semi-final. You've got uh, uh, the Lucha Brothers obviously progressing. They're going to be facing private party to see uh, obviously in, in the first semi-final and then you've got uh, earlier winners um, in the first match SCU going up against the Dark Order the Dark Order obviously they, they received a bye uh, through to the semi-finals after their win in their match at All Out in August um, so what were your thoughts on this on this match um, kind of a bit of a makeshift combo of Marco Stunt and uh, Jungle Boy going up against the Lucha Brothers in a fairly entertaining match but uh, I'd love to know your thoughts on this I enjoyed this match as a whole. It was quite good offence by both teams. Uh, literally showing that, showcasing their being talents in, in and outside the ring. Several different uh, tag team offence by both teams. As I brought up earlier, they've been up in the other tag team, title, tag team tournament title match about tag rules. The end of this match, a similar thing happens. I think Pentagon's standing in the corner. Phoenix is legal. They make a tag inside the ring. What's going on here? As I said I, earlier, what's the tag rules going on in AEW? Yeah. Where if you see in the next match, there's consistent tags in and out from tags from rip competitor in the ring to competitor outside the ring. So I'm not too sure what's going on with these rules. Mm, I'm going to be paying closer attention. I'm going to be watching uh, watching some of these matches a bit closer. I think. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting because as soon as this happened, I saw it. I saw it. What saw it? I said, what's going on here? This is the second match now in this tournament on the same night where they've had obscure tags going on and rule plays going on, which I'll bring up in the main event as well, which kind of peeves me a bit. Yeah. Um, but overall, it's, it's, it's going forward in the tournament. I kind of see where they can go with this, but I have my ideas where it can go and might, where I want it to go and where it could lead to. Well, let's talk about that. I mean, give us your predictions. There's only four teams left. Obviously, on one side of the draw, you've got Lucha Brothers and Private Party. On the other side of the draw, you've got SCU versus the Dark Order. Now, we obviously saw a bit of a storyline going on earlier between Lucha Brothers and SCU. So, potentially, that would make a good final. Or you could have the Underdogs Private Party pull out another surprise win. Um, maybe SCU gets involved in their match next week, leading to a Private Party win. And, uh, you know, I don't know. I mean, the Dark Order, they got a buy. Um, you know, having won their match at all out so it's interesting that they were automatically entered into the tournament at semi-final stage I don't know too much about the Dark Order but um, where's your kind of money on regarding those four teams what do you think I'll, I'll say what my head uh, what I would think logically if they're building it up is Lucha Brothers to win but with what happened last week I can see Private Party picking up another upset win on an established team to build up this underdog story of like the rank outsiders, yeah. the what the so-called eight seeds in the well, the seventh slash eight seeds in the tournament to go on to win the title tournament. Yeah, I could I could see them going against Dark Order in the final, where you can see SCU costing Luchas their spot in the title tournament, and then vice versa, and you can set up a match between Luchas and SCU at full gear to oh. determine number one contenders. Possibly. There you go. Nice bit of fantasy booking in there. So, yeah, I'd say 
I think there's many different ways that this could go. Um, and I think the first of the semi-final matches is next week, with the second taking place the following week. And then, of course, you've got full gear uh, the week after. So, uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what happens, buddy. But uh, speaking of tag matches, we do get our, I think it's our fourth tag match in this show. Uh, and it's Pac and John Moxley are going to against Kenny Omega and Hangman Adam Page. So, Moxley, John Moxley gets a superstar reception from the fans in Philadelphia, as you would expect. Now, Pac and John Moxley, they make a bit of an unlikely duo. Uh, they appear to work quite well in the early stage of this match. Let's just say that. Uh, but uh, Omega nails a couple of snapdragon suplexes on Pac and Moxley to liven up the crowd, followed by an excellent Topecon hero onto Pac on the outside. Moxley uh, got in on the act with a dive of his own onto Pac. Uh, however, Hangman executes a brilliant moonsault from the top turnbuckle onto the heels on the outside, completing the array of uh, high-flying uh, devil ship there. So uh, there's another huge dive from Hangman nailing Pack through the ropes, this time into the barricade. Moxley and Omega then go at it with uh, huge lefts and rights and headbutts in the ring. Moxley turns uh, Omega inside out with a massive lariat as the match goes up another notch. Um, then the weapons come out. Uh, Omega finds a, a broom wrapped in barbed wire. Moxley uses a, a barbed wire baseball bat and uh, with Pack disarming his partner, uh, John Moxley, of his weapon, not wanting to risk disqualification. Uh, Moxley reacts uh, as you would expect, only Moxley to react with uh, the double bird and uh, a, a, a kind of, a, I think it was a kick and a dirty deed to his own partner, Pack, before walking out on his partner and walking out of the match, leaving Pack all on his lonesome. So Pack then gets nailed with a, a wicked lariat. Omega strikes with a v, v trigger. Page finishes the match and uh, pack off with the dead eye for the pinfall victory, allowing Page to get his uh, victory back after his loss to Pack a couple of weeks ago. And uh, that was a pretty good match between these four, four of the best. And, uh, you know, uh, any goodwill that there might have been between Pack and John Moxley at the beginning of the match certainly went out the window towards the end there as uh, Moxley turned on his own partner. However, you know, this match did further set up Moxley and Omega, which will be getting uh, in a few weeks out of full gear on November the 9th, another pay-per-view match there. So quite an entertaining match, plenty to talk about. Uh, what were some of the highlights for you then, Ash? Uh, I overly enjoyed this match, I think. I enjoyed the being, well, for the time being, the being tag team offense between Max, uh, Pack and Moxley, just working on page, essentially, before, um, before we end up getting the hot tag to Omega, who, and then ha- ha- had a great flow of offense against both Pack and Vin Moxley. Uh, when I was watching this match, I was trying to think, okay, I can only see this going one way. I don't see either Moxley or Pack taking the loss. But when Pat took the loss, I thought, okay, this is interesting because obviously it sets up what happens next week as well. Yeah. I was trying to think, okay, if you, because obviously the reason why Pat, I think, didn't originally start in AEW was because of this whole thing when he was Dragon Gate champion, where they didn't want him to lose match, lose any match while he was their champion. Yeah. Their champion. So it's like the reason why their was it their original match between Pack and Hangman didn't happen was because he was champion and they didn't want him to lose on pay with you. Yeah, it was something like that, wasn't it? Yeah, you're quite right. Yeah. So it's I thoroughly enjoyed this match. It's like great great match between the four competitors in this match. I as I said, I can't been go um well, I can't stumble words, get them to go now. Um it's just literally a great great match to send all 
Yeah, yeah, no, it was, it was, and like I say, it furthered quite a few storylines, it furthered, um, you know, Moxley and Omega, which we're going to be getting in a few weeks at Full Gear, and uh, yeah, it looks like interesting to see how Moxley turned on his own partner, because uh, he didn't want to risk disqualification with Moxley using his uh, barbed wire baseball bat, so, uh, but but for what it was, it was, it was a good match, but uh, moving on to the main event of the show, and uh, Chris Jericho putting his AEW World Championship on the line against uh, number one contender Darby Allen. So Darby Allen, as you right, rightly mentioned earlier, Ron Ash became number one contender um, after beating Jimmy Havoc in a number one contenders match last week. Um, so then soon after the match was announced, it was billed as a, a Philadelphia street fight. Um, so uh, this is the, the third, I think it's the third match that Jericho's had in just three weeks. So he's been on every single episode of Dynamite and he's wrestled in every single episode of Dynamite. Um, I think the first time uh, episode one was a six-man tag. Uh, last week was a tag match, if I'm not mistaken. This week he's defended his championship one-on-one against Darby Allen. Uh, so I suppose you can't get too much of a good thing, especially when it comes to uh, Le Champion, Chris Jericho. So um, I'd say Darby Allen has only been a pro wrestler for four years, I think. Um, and he's, he's starting to build a really good fan base, especially in the short time that he's been competing in AEW. And as I said, he received his title shot after beating Jan- Jimmy Havoc last week. So remember, uh, this is a Philadelphia street fight. So uh, anything goes. Uh, Darby Allen takes the match to the outside with a dive through the ropes onto Jericho on the rampway. Uh, Jericho then launches Allen through the ropes to the outside with Allen appearing to land quite heavily and injuring himself. Jericho then performs a a catapult with Allen's head uh, and neck underneath the guard railing. And that looks pretty painful, uh, getting a great reaction from the fans though. Uh, A kendo stick then comes into play as Jericho uses it to bash uh, Darby Allen's back. Jericho then gets a a roll of duct tape, uh, which he uses to tape up Darby Allen's hands behind his back, uh, effectively hog-tying Darby Allen before Jericho starts to throw the challenger around the ring. Uh, Darby Allen uh, does get in some offence, surprisingly, even with his hands taped behind his back, including a springboard moonsault uh, and a topecon hero through the ropes onto Jericho to the outside, all with his hands taped behind his back, remember. Uh, Allen even gets a close near fall from a, like a... almost appeared like a phoenix splash uh, to the loud approval from the fans Jericho brings uh, Allen's skateboard into the ring before hitting a double underhook onto the skateboard for a two count and that looked really painful uh, and just as Darby Allen was about to make a comeback with another move from the top turnbuckle we see Jake Hager uh, appear from out of nowhere to push Allen off the top turnbuckle allowing Jericho to put on the, the lion tamer once again uh, for the submission win so this match was a really great opportunity to make a new star out of Darby Allen. Uh, and as predicted on a previous episode of this podcast, I think AEW have really big things in store for Darby Allen. But uh, thanks to Jericho using the tape to tie up Allen, uh, Allen's hands behind his back um, and uh, the interference from Jake Hager, the odds were certainly against Darby Allen here. Uh, as Le Champion, Chris Jericho wins the AEW World Championship or he retains his championship and the show goes off the air with the inner circle standing in the ring celebrating Jericho's win with a little bit of bubbly. So, uh, Ash, this was um, you know full of drama, full of action. Um, I, I think that the fans were certainly kind of more behind Darby Allen when uh, he had his hands tied behind his back or taped behind his back. But uh, certainly, you know, it added an extra element to the match. Um, I thought it was a fun match and a really good uh, way to end the show. And uh, I thought Chris Jericho was excellent. 
I say forever and a day, but he's possibly the best heel in the business at the moment and a good outing for Darby Allen as well. But I'd love to know your thoughts. Uh, I'll go into what I liked about the match before what I didn't like about the match. Yeah. I enjoyed the matches as a whole. The offence that Darby Allen did when he had his arms behind his back, I was like really impressed, especially how he climbs the ter- climbed the brakes of the turnbuckles without using his arms. How he's got the being core strength to do that with just using his legs was just in- astound me. Yeah, it was that was just really impressive from the offence he did as well. Even he hit I think springboard moonsault without Correct. using his hand without yeah. using his hands. <laughs> how? <laughs> Exactly. How? How have you done this? How have you done this? That is such, I think that is such a hard thing to do without using your arms because you need, because you think Jericho, when he hits the lion salt, he uses his arms to get his balance, to get his momentum over. To do that without no arms, that is just astounding. Yeah. Now, the downside to this match. There was two. It's this is a Philadelphia street fight, which means no disqualifications, no count out. Correct. That's what they told us. Yeah. Twice in this match, Chris Jericho has Darby Allen in the walls of Jericho. Darby Allen gets to the rope. Referee starts doing a five count. This is yeah. no disqualification. You do not do that. That this bit bugbears me twice for everything. This is no disqualification. Why are you doing this? This is just it just cancels the heat for your heel character where he's sustaining damage to an opponent where he doesn't have to let go of the hold. Yeah, I know it's the same thing. It's a no DQ match, but then they're uh, accounting for a rope break. Uh, and uh, yeah, uh, I, I mean, Jericho really had he thought about it should have just kept the move on because uh in theory <laughs> he, he shouldn't have been disqualified because of because of the stipulation of the match yeah. but uh and unless the only stipulation of the match is anything goes apart from rope breaks uh where where, yeah. where, where, where we have to uh, kind of count the five and you have to break but uh yes yeah, so you, you're quite right i spotted that as well yeah. and i think that's a little bit of a, a botch there on behalf of the officials i think one thing jericho can say is jericho could have said it's a no disqualification match you idiot Yes. <laughs> what are you going to do? Disqualify me? For he, should have, been... he could have added into the list. <laughs> yeah. And the other the other thing that I do enjoy about this match, as proven earlier, we've discussed about NXT UK with Joe Coffey not getting involved in their match, in the yeah. tag team title match. Jack Kager comes out towards the end of the match to theoretically help Jericho win where he didn't need he didn't need him throughout the match. He didn't even come down to ringside. He just came out of nowhere and attacked Darby Allen. Just says Jericho's to get the win at the end of it. Yeah. So it's like I understand you're trying to build Jericho as the big heel, big heel champion, but you, I don't think he needs Hensman where he needs to help cheat him to win. I think he's capable of doing it on his own because how he, I think he could have easily got the win without there being assist from Hager in the end. Especially with his opponent having his hands tied behind his back. Yeah. I mean, you know, <laughs> he already had the advantage there straight away. But uh, I'm, I'm wondering if it will play into a future storyline, whether Darby Allen you know, might um, get a rematch. Who knows? Uh, whether it be mentioned ever again on uh, Dynamite. Hopefully for, continu- for continuity, hopefully they'll bring it up on next week's show and uh, you know, have some sort of stipulation where you know if anybody comes out during a jericho match in the future then he automatically uses the championship um but uh am i 
I don't know whether this was another rule change where championships can change hands on a disqualification um, in AEW. I'm probably just imagining that, but there were so many kind of like little rule changes they brought in around the time of Double or Nothing, their first big pay-per-view in May. But um, anyway, it, it, it doesn't matter because uh, Chris Jericho did retain in the end. Um, and, uh, you know, it, it was uh, quite a dramatic match. I think we're all rooting for Darby Allen towards the end of it. Um, but, um, I mean, what were your overall thoughts on AEW Dynamite? I mean, had you seen the previous two episodes and what did you think of this one? I, I've seen the other two episodes. I think certain matches in this went up to standards and free to the fact, as we said, the women's tart match, I felt it's, it was weaker mm. than compared to what happened on the first episode. But there's like, I've, I've pointed out several different things, but obviously, I think other parts of this episode highlighted the strengths of AEW, especially like the video package leading for Jericho and Cody towards Full Gear was quite very well done. Yes. And certain spots in matches, especially with Darby Allen and his match, and I'm trying to think now, um, that's it really. Uh, and other matches literally were quite unique and obviously it's progressing the storylines throughout the tag team tournament and also other feuds going throughout. But yeah. one of the things that I feel is a little bit weak so far in AEW is the women's scene. Okay. Not seen, there's not been, so far, as you've already pointed out, with Jericho being on every single episode, you've had Britt Baker on every single episode, not competing all three, and also Rio competing in all three. Yeah. So there's not much not much depth showing off the women's talent so far that on AEW. Which is like yeah. I would like to see a bit more from what's in what on their roster. Yeah, so I, build I up, agree. Build up more chances for Rio to compete against. Otherwise, otherwise you're just going to get the same wrestlers fighting over and over, aren't you, really? But yeah. um, I think, I think as I mentioned earlier, the one mistake they made really was having Britt Baker, who's been this like figurehead kind of ambassador for the women's division on AEW from, from day one. She was brought out uh, when they had their first uh, kind of... Uh, press meeting kind of when they had the open air conference um brit breaker was brought out as like the first member of the AEW women's roster so she's kind of been a bit of a bit of a figurehead for the AEW women's division ever since day one really and i would have thought that it would have been a bigger match and a more important match had they've held off her championship opportunity until full gear or maybe another pay-per-view down the line and maybe allow Ryu to, if she's going to wrestle, then let her wrestle somebody that's less established um, and, and leave Brit Breaker to a bigger occasion. They seem to be, uh, I know NXT could be blamed for kind of pulling out all the, all the stops and pulling out the big guns and all the big matches. But I felt that Britt Baker, it wasn't really, there was no build to it. There was no story behind it. There was no real reason why she was made number one contender. She hadn't really won uh, a one-on-one -on -one match to win her right to compete against Ryu for the championship, but it happened anyway. So a little bit of, you know, uh, continuity error there especially when they're saying that wins and losses matter and that you know if you win and win a win you're going to get a championship opportunity and Britt Baker tended to get you know she appeared to get her championship opportunity almost out of nothing exactly as you said so yeah there's obviously some some gaps in there 
continuity there. Um, I mean, what, the highlights for me, you mentioned about the video package. I thought it was absolutely fantastic. Um, but the tag matches, I thought that where the AEW women's division possibly hasn't got the depth, I think their tag division definitely does have the depth. And I think their tournament to crown the first ever AEW tag champs has been absolutely fantastic. I've really enjoyed all the matches. They've uh, not only had great action, but good stories behind them as well. Um, but that's definitely where I think they've got their, their strengths and weaknesses at the moment is, is the tag divisions, definitely a thumbs up. Women's division, maybe a thumbs in the middle, possibly a thumbs down. Um, but uh, I want to see a bit more of Nyla Rose. I thought Nyla Rose was excellent in her match against Ryu a couple of weeks ago on episode one of Dynamite. And I want to see more of her. I think she's a character that I can definitely get behind, whether as a babyface or as a heel, um but um yeah so uh, i mean you know w- because we've got the wednesday night wars now here uh, actually between nxt and AEW dynamite of course uh going head to head um and there's this ratings war how would you how would you rate the two shows so i mean if you know w- which show would you say was the best of the two would you go for nxt over AEW, or would you go for AEW over nxt based on based on this week's uh, this week's episode, what would you say? Oh, that's a hard one to say. Um, I think storyline-wise, I'll say NXT, because I felt they've built up storylines throughout their whole depth of roster, whereas you've got like several different characters challenging for, as we pointed out, in the women's division. You've had, we had different, we've had two matches from the women's division, and four people out of those matches either competing or out for fall out of the matches are going towards the title feud whereas AEW's women's division you've had a title feud a title match which has come out of nowhere so obviously that's where I think NXT's done well this week but I think it's I think it's 50-50 for in-ring action I think it's a toss up I think the tag team matches on AEW were quite good were very, very good. And the two matches between Keith Lee and Dijakovic and Pete Dunne and Damien Priest were quite good as well. So I think it's a tie-fitting win quality. But I think I, I, I'm, I don't want to stick on the fence, but I have to stick on the fence because it's a hard, I think it's a 50-50 cut between down the middle. Yeah. Of which ones I enjoyed. It's tricky, isn't it? And I, I'm kind of you know uh undecided as to whether to go for a tie a 50 50 split which would be you know i'm gonna say i'm gonna put my neck out on the line i'm gonna say it was a better show for AEW this week and i give you my reasons why i think that the the video package with uh, building up the Cody the Cody match um, against uh, against uh, Jericho at full gear, I think that was really well done. I love all the all the interviews, and it was all about Cody. But Cody never said a word in that entire video package. It was all about you know. You know, the more serious side, the more um, uh, behind the scenes side of Cody, the more focused side of Cody. And uh, everybody else did the talking for him and summed up Cody's mentality and uh, kind of the build to that match very, very well. I thought that was absolutely fantastic. The other reason why I'm going for AEW this week, I thought that the the tag matches were were fantastic and some really good stories behind them. Um, And I I really enjoyed the main event as well. I thought that especially... um, Jericho kind of making a star out of Darby Allen, to be honest with you. Um, and uh, I, I liked the drama. I liked, you know, the, the bit where Darby Allen had his, he had to fight, you know, with his hands literally tied behind his back. And uh, you're still making a good match of it for Jericho. 
And I think Jericho at the moment is possibly the best thing going in professional wrestling uh, with all of his catchphrases and his heel character. And he's pulling out some good matches as well. And I think that the way he's evolved his character again into this current uh, Judas uh, Jericho, you could say, is possibly one of his best incarnations. And I think that it's working really, really well for him and it's working really, really well for AEW. So I think that because of Jericho, um, the tag titles and that video package for Cody, I've got to give it to AEW. Although it's a close call, NXT was great. Loved the Keith Lee and Dijakovic match, although I don't think it was their best match. Um, and I really loved all the, the, the women's division action, the return of Tommaso Ciampa. Um, but uh, I, I, I really enjoyed the main event as well, Pete Dunn versus Damian Priest. Uh, that could well have been the match of the night on NXT, um for me it certainly ended in really really you know good fashion but i'm going to give the edge to AEW, and um yeah i'm I'm becoming a big fan of of dynamite i think they're producing some really good stuff and i think the other thing that possibly sways it for me and i think i'm not the only one to say this is the extra atmosphere you're getting in AEW shows because you've got the larger audience you've got the bigger arenas um instead of being in front of three or four hundred people in full sale they're they're performing in front of seven eight nine ten thousand people in arenas which i think is giving you the perception of it being bigger and be giving it giving you the perception of it being better as well if that makes sense although it possibly isn't like say the in-ring quality it's possibly better as a whole on NXT, but you get the perception that AEW is bigger and better because of the atmosphere that's been, you know, given off by the thousands of people as opposed to the hundreds of people, if that makes sense. Yeah, that kind of, that makes sense, yeah. I've heard in talks going on, can we see NXT doing three weeks of work of TV tape, TV in full sale, then do a monthly episode in, say, an arena? It could possibly work, but it's just seeing logistically if they can do it. I could see them doing it for possibly lead up to, say, a takeover. They can do like the go-home show into a big one, so have like talent who are not up on the car- on the takeover card performing in front of a bigger audience. Gets that allowing yeah. them to get in front of more eyes and develop their characters and get their characters across to newer fans. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. I think that that would be, you know, just uh, testing the waters to see whether that will work or not. Uh, but I think, you know, as much as, uh, you know, some weeks I'm a fan of the full sale audience, some some weeks I'm not such a fan of the full sale audience, but they certainly have been a part of the journey and a part of the story of, of uh, NXT and a part of their success as well. Um, but uh, I think that they might need to experiment with going outside of full sale into bigger arenas, not massive arenas. I mean, I've even said on our Facebook group um, that if they tried the Manhattan Center, where they used to do Monday Night Raw or, you know, the old ECW arena in uh, Philadelphia somewhere, you know, just to kind of give a, a bit of a, a different vibe and a different feel uh, in front of a different audience. And I think that that could be interesting uh, for the for the viewing audience on TV anyway. But uh, actually, that, that brings us to an end of this podcast. We've spoken about NXT UK. We've spoken about NXT. We've spoken about AEW. Three really, really good shows. If you haven't seen any one of those three, I definitely urge you to go out and watch them. Um, but uh, Ash, I just want to thank you for coming on the podcast this week. You've been an absolute superstar. 
Cheers, cheers, there, John. Nice to be back on the podcast. I hope you'll be back on soon. You certainly will be. You certainly will be. So, uh, uh, yeah, please keep it tuned to the Wrestling Majolus podcast for all of your weekly NXT, uh, NXT UK, and AEW uh, reviews, including uh, WWE pay per view reviews and AEW pay per view reviews, and so much more. And if you've enjoyed listening to this podcast, please don't forget to spread the word. Tell your friends and tell your family. Don't forget to hit that subscribe button and uh, just share the the good word about the Wrestling Majolus podcast. So. Uh, I don't miss a single episode. Hit that subscribe button now. Our next episode I'm going to be recording tomorrow. I've got a special interview with former uh, WWF uh, A. Uh, AWA, uh, not AEW, but AWA and uh, NWA and WCW ring announcer Gary Michael Capetta. So you may know uh, Gary Michael Capetta from when he used to introduce Sting and he was the guy that uh, uh, introduced Sting with uh, This Is Sting and all them other famous ring introductions from the 70s, 80s and early 90s. So I can't wait to speak to Gary uh, Michael Capetta and uh, the interview with him will be dropping around about uh, 8 o'clock UK time on Sunday, the 20th of October. So look out for that one. And uh, yeah, thank you to uh, Ash. Thank you to everybody that's uh, listened. Um, hope you all have a fantastic weekend and a good week to come. And uh, yeah, in the meantime, take care and speak to you all soon. <laughs>